Talk Live, talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160 is the phone number for you to call if you'd like to get in on our conversations or bring up whatever is on your mind. That's 603-283-6160. And in the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie. And Ian. And Nikki. And tonight we have Argentina to talk about. Why? I hadn't really thought about them for a while, but this week I keep hearing about them because apparently a libertarian won some kind of a primary down there. And Ian's got that story for us. We also have a mother kind of lost at sea, or at least stranded. Stranded's probably the better word for that, because they know where she is, but the government isn't letting her get back on land with her baby. Mm. Um, and we have a newspaper, I think it's in Kansas, that a, a newspaper company that got raided by their local police station. And basically here at Free Talk Live, we bring up current news events and talk about them with the slant of we all believe in liberty and living um, as free as you can. And that's what we're here for tonight. So Ian, do you want to get into the story about the Argentina man? Yeah, there's been a lot of buzz about their libertarian presidential candidate down there in Argentina. And of course, if you've been, I don't know, somewhat tuned into international news, you know that Argentina is once again going through a bout of terrible inflation of their money supply. I believe I heard that it was like over 100% in a year uh, inflation. Now, you know, we've seen U.S. numbers, which we know are manipulated. Yeah, of course. We know the U.S. uh, government thugs, they try to make lower numbers than they're actually doing as far as inflation. So the official numbers... Yeah, they lie. Uh, The official numbers here have been between, you know, 5 and 9% in the last roughly year. In Argentina, it's 100% or somewhere in that range. And this isn't the first time the Argentinian people have had to deal with a uh, banking crisis or Even a central bank crisis. People in America can feel inflation. Like people are saying groceries cost more. You can see it. Imagine oh, yeah. what 10 times the inflation would feel like. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I mean, and I was talking about this with my dad the other day, because even just like simple like medical equipment that I order for my business, for example, Mm -hmm. some stuff will be $20 more. And he was saying the same thing. He said I used like a box of screws as an example, but he was like a, you know, a bulk pack that would cost him $80 now costs him $120. He's in construction. So that's, yeah. So that's a huge increase. It is. You know, in just a few months. Yeah, it's hitting everywhere, uh, and that's just that's the result of government printing money. That's what inflation is. It's not what they tell you in the in the uh, official newspapers or Fox News or CNN or whatever, where they tell you that it's the prices going up. That's actually a symptom of inflation. The cause of the prices going up tends to be the government just printing out, in this case, trillions of dollars that were sent to mega businesses. And of course, you got maybe a fourteen hundred dollar check at some point. A lot of people got. That couple check. six hundred dollars. Yeah, ones. there was another one here and there, right? And uh, but the bulk of that money went to mega corporations yeah. and you know the military industrial complex and the pharmaceutical industrial complex and you know uh, pharma bros and all that. Uh, so Argentina, though things are much much worse down there. And what's really I think interesting about this story is it goes to show that maybe libertarians actually have a chance. If economic conditions get so bad, like right now in the United States, libertarians cannot get more than one to two percent in any given three way race between them, the Republicans and the the Democrats. And they've been just stuck in that rut for as long as I've been around. 
which is, of course, why a lot of us migrated here to New Hampshire so we could focus our efforts in one place yeah. and hopefully actually accomplish something. But in Argentina, they've accomplished a tremendous political victory over the weekend. Now, it's just the presidential primary, mind you. So this guy has not been elected president. I mean, that's still huge, though. But it is that, pretty huge. you know, hasn't happened, I mean, anywhere else, really? Not that I'm aware of. No. no. I, I guess it just w- works differently than it does in America because every year yes, a libertarian gets a primary because they're their own party. So what does this really mean? Like, Yeah, you, that's a great question. And they do actually get into it here in the story from the AP, which I will get into. Uh, and uh, seeing different stories about this over the last few days, because this has been in social media quite a bit. Obviously, libertarians very excited about this, um, that uh, there's a lot of press like this headline that calls him quote unquote far right wow of course even though apparently he self-describes as a so-called anarcho-capitalist and listen i don't know much about this man i'm excited to learn more tonight on this show mm-hmm. but from what i've seen i haven't seen anything like oh he be- he's a racist or anything else you usually associate with far right mm-hmm. i've seen that he believes in open borders Oh, does he? Oh, good. Uh, I saw someone say that. Yeah, I would hope so. Um, I don't know if he speaks English. I haven't seen any English uh, interviews with him yet, but usually the clips are of him speaking Spanish. He's an uh, interesting looking man. He looks a lot like one of the old Doctor Who characters from back in the day. He's he also kind of looks like um, Austin Powers. He's got this wild hairstyle. And in fact, there was uh, a headline that I saw at the Drudge Report today about him. And I when I clicked on the story, the Wall Street Journal literally wrote an entire story about his hair. It has oh absolutely my gosh. Nothing, what a joke. It has absolutely nothing in it about like his belief systems or you know anything actually meaningful about him. It's just all about his hair. In That's fairness. almost embarrassing that the Wall Street Journal <laughs> yeah. is writing a piece like that. Like I that's just like basically coming out and saying that they have nothing of value to say you know no it it deserves its own story well (laughs) you just need to see it (laughs) to the story's credit it does say towards the end that he did clap uh, back at a critic writing in spanish quote people with low capacity focus on my hair and not my ideas (laughs) well and that's the thing like that's what i'm i'm trying to say like i'm sure he has you know great hair that is newsworthy but (laughs) i mean he just went won you know a primary like Let's talk about his politics. Let's talk right. about like what he actually believes in. Yeah, and I would you know? love to know more about that. I mean, I, I have not, I have not sought out his campaign website yet at this point, just because I figured it'd be in Spanish. Although I guess I could have used translate, Google Translator, or whatever. Uh, but you know, whenever somebody uses the term libertarian, I'm always suspect yeah. of like, okay, how libertarian is this guy? If he's for open borders, then that's a pretty good sign that he's pretty libertarian. But if they say uncap, uh, it's always a little bit even better of a sign. That's true, yeah. Is he against the war on drugs? I have not seen anything about that. I presume he is. That would be the sane position. Uh, it's a you know, pretty standard libertarian position. But let's get into what happened. What What is all the hubbub about? Uh, the Argentine peso apparently plunged on Monday after shaggy-haired 52-year-old anti-establishment candidate who admires former President Donald Trump. Okay, that's one president uh, or one uh, strike against him. Well, they say that, but it could just be that he said something totally innocuous. Came first in primary elections that will help determine the country's next president. Ha- ja- Javier Millet 
rocked Argentina's political establishment Sunday by receiving the biggest share of primary votes for presidential candidates in the October general election to determine who leads a nation battered by economic woes. Millet wants to replace the peso with the dollar. That's another kind of another strike against him. But I can understand the perspective, meaning that this guy actually is for the abolishing of the Argentinian central bank. He says it should be abolished. And that's a pretty hardcore, you know, economic freedom position. Replacing it with the dollar is the lesser evil in this particular case. It's not exactly a a pure free market uh, perspective. But that said, that particular move has done very well for the South American and Central American countries who have done that. So, for instance, in El Salvador, where they made headlines in September of 2021 for adopting Bitcoin as a second legal tender alongside the U.S. dollar, which Argentina could certainly follow in their footsteps, uh, that was a huge move. And they were able to do that because... El Salvador has no central bank anymore. They did at one point in the past. They had a peso, if I recall correctly. And they got rid of that at some point, and they went to the dollar. And that has been good because even though the dollar is evil, and even though the dollar is created by the world's worst central bank, at this point in time, it's not suffering from hyperinflation. So jumping off of something that is inflating at 100% a year to something that might be inflating at 10% a year, it's bad, but it's not you know instant suicide. Well, people yeah. in the central bank of Argentina might lose their jobs. Good. Yes, indeed. And uh, that is one of the reasons why this man is probably, if he doesn't have 24-hour security, he may want to consider hiring some because he is, you know, it's pretty common for the libertarians to be looked at as a joke. They're laughed about. They're ignored. Well, they don't do as well. Well, right. But in this case, this guy actually just won this primary, and it will explain what that means here. So he is now an actual threat uh, to the establishment. I mean, we've seen that in New Hampshire at first. You know, libertarians weren't really talked about in the news. And then once, you know, a lot of those, you know, Democrats started realizing like, oh, these people are like winning elections and, you know, actually making a difference, you know, then they start to go, you know, Go on their slander Big campaigns. time. They, they actually did an anti-free stater protest. What was it, last year, I think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2020. In the summertime. Yeah, uh, there's been the news articles. And, yeah. Oh, big time. Attack pieces. Yeah. Uh, letters to the editor have uh, have been written. There's... I mean, the New York Times even um, wrote a hit piece on uh, Jody Underwood. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, yeah, that is what happens when you become a threat to the status quo. And that's what this guy is now. So he wants to get rid of the central bank. He wants to get rid of the peso and just dollarize uh, the economy there. But he's also, and I don't think they mentioned this in this story, he's also a Bitcoin guy. So I did Hmm. see an interview with him on Argentinian media talking about Bitcoin, and he's he's got it down, right? Like, he mm-hmm. understands all the important cool. things. He's an economist, apparently. So, like, this isn't just your average schmo lawyer who's yeah. running for office. And that also might be, um, you know, part of the reason why he won the primary is because if the economy's doing so bad, you know, yes. people that, you know, want to be able to survive are going to start to look for something a little bit more logical. Well, and uh, he's... Hope. 
he's actually telling the truth, right? Like, so yeah. he's kind of doing the Ron Paul thing here where he seems to be very principled. Mm-hmm. He's keeping his messaging very principled and he's getting attention. Like, he, this guy, remember when Ron Paul was like filling stadiums full of young people back in 2012 and 2008? Uh, I mean, this guy's doing the same thing. Yeah, I saw a picture of uh, a free stater we know. His son went to go see this guy, Malay. In really? Argentina, and I don't know if he lives there, if his son lives there, mm-hmm. was visiting or what, but um, he showed us a picture. It was like a, you know, a big like a football rodeo. stadium yeah. or something, right? Uh, yeah, a large football stadium, and there was like, uh, most of the seats were filled. And um, the other thing I wanted to point out is, I don't know how old he is. I haven't looked it up. 52, oh. 53. He's like Mark's age. Wow. I was going to well, say so he's he looks young. young. Mm-hmm. But, well, yeah. he looks like he's in like, maybe his early 40s to me. Mm. His hair's all brown. So he's really connecting with people because, well, when people are hurting economically, they're more, I think, likely to listen to someone who's trying to explain to them that, no, it's not Putin's price hike. No, it's not the greedy corporations, which, is, of course, the lies that the U.S. government has been telling about inflation here. It's the central bank. It is. And in one of the interviews I saw him doing with, uh, again, national media there in Argentina, he was calling inflation the inflation tax, which is Mm -hmm. what it actually is. So he's getting out there and he's letting people know what's going on. He's blaming the central bank. He's blaming the government. He's blaming uh, the currency. He's explaining what inflation actually is. So he's getting really good information out there. Even if he doesn't win this election, he certainly has gotten a lot of good information to people's heads, uh, sort of like Ron Paul did. But again, the American people weren't hurting economically when Ron Paul mm-hmm. was running. So I don't think many of them Yeah, they were. Paid 2008? A, a, yeah, not like in our in Argentina. Well, sure, but more I than mean, most Americans ever had. No one was going hungry in the United States in 2008. So Malay, uh, according to the story at the AP, they give a couple more examples of some of the things he is uh, apparently known for. He has characterized sex education as a ploy to destroy the family and has said he believes the sale of human organs should be legal. And that it should wow. be easier for Argentines to own handguns. So to, to go on the uh, legalized human organ trade is yeah. a pretty hardcore libertarian position yeah. to be taking. That's also like a strange example to give. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, if if I was trying to describe like what free market means to me, that wouldn't be the first thing I well, would Well, of list. course, it's the first thing the mainstream media right. that's lists. Yeah, so maybe it's that's... Probably, yeah. It's probably something that's not on the main page of his yeah, website. Yeah, like, who knows but, how many times yeah. he's brought it up at all. Yeah, so but, probably yeah some, he might have said it once, right, and they're like... obscure interview, and now he'll never yeah. live it down. And now, yeah. the thing about sex ed, I don't think is, like, very libertarian, but... That sounds a little right-leaning Yeah, but it, it could just be, the, you know, that he doesn't believe the public schools should be teaching it, mm. and... I don't know. I'd like to hear his full opinion on it. Yeah, I mean, I do agree that that's definitely a very conservative stance. Yeah. Um, but I do know a lot of kind of like conservative people, like leaning people that consider themselves libertarian that are pretty principled on most other topics would yeah. also agree on that point. It's something that doesn't so. make one not a libertarian is what I'm saying. No, that's yeah. True. Uh, yeah. But and I, yeah, if, his, if he right wants lean. to get rid of government schools too, that would be awesome. But again, we haven't seen... His campaign site, we don't know all the details. Uh, We just know what we're hearing. And apparently he does describe himself as an anarcho-capitalist. 
the Argentinian government, get this, decided to devalue the local currency by 20% early Monday morning after Millet's showing that turned Argentina into the latest country where voters have chosen an outsider candidate to express anger against the status quo. That's so annoying. Like, they're just assuming that it's about expressing anger. Like, it's not that people are, like, excited for this uh, new opportunity. No, Mm -hmm. they're just expressing anger. I mean, like... Maybe you could say that something, something, Trump, like that is what happened with Trump. Like, you really can't say what hundreds of thousands or millions of people say by something where that is nonverbal. Like right, voting. a vote. But, you have no idea the reason why someone votes. But maybe, like, it's been enough years that we've t- done some studies and found out, oh, anger was re- involved. But, like, recently, it seems like there's all these people that get elected. Like, there's this hot chick in Italy and... um I can't think of any other examples, but they get elected and then or um, are about to win or whatever. And then the mainstream media starts comparing it to, oh, it's exactly like Trump. They're an outsider. People are angry. I keep seeing that. It's just like, I don't know. It's mm. an annoying thing, a recurring thing. I keep Yeah, seeing. it kind of devalues it, right? Like, right. oh, you only did this out of anger. You exactly. didn't use mm. logic and reason. Like, this wasn't... You yep. weren't thinking. You weren't thinking. Yeah. Mad. Exactly. Yeah, because typically mm-hmm. when you're angry, like, you're being irrational and yep. whatever. Like one, you're one just could reacting. Ass- yeah, like, yeah. one could assume that. Now, uh, you could do what you would call an exit poll, and yeah. you could actually talk to voters and find out, but that's the only way you ever know. You can't ever just look at somebody, oh, well, they voted for this guy. They must have been angry. That is a complete extrapolation from no information whatsoever. But if right. you do actually do... Uh, an actual exit poll and you ask people who did you vote for and why did you vote for them then you can actually find out the uh, the reasons and i bet you it will turn out the reasons are quite varied there's a large range of reasons why people make these choices some people vote because they hated the other guy and the, the 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 person they chose was simply the lesser of two evils and maybe some people are voting out of anger or whatever but a lot but, of people obviously went and talked to him so they probably like what he had to say i think so and but here apparently the argentinian bank didn't like the fact that people voted for him because according to this uh story here argentina's government devalued the local currency by 20 percent on monday so it's almost as though the central bank threw a hissy fit and said, oh, well, we're just going to go ahead and print up another, you know, $100 yeah. billion dollars or whatever 20% Seems would Seems short-sighted be. because it's like, wouldn't that make him look more correct? Absolutely. I would think so. Yeah, I think that um, would not work in their favor. Right. We want change now. Like, look what they're doing. Well, I mean, it could just be that they are trying to burn as much of the uh, value out of this thing as possible because... What happens when inflation occurs, when they print a bunch of money out, is they give it to their buddies. So it goes to you know whoever's politically connected. They get the money first. And so by the when they get that the money, it's not it hasn't really devalued yet because it hasn't kind of filtered down all mm-hmm. the way into the economy. So they benefit from that that sort of free money in that case. But as it starts being spent, as they pay their employees and the employees go out and spend it and you know all that, that's when the prices start to go up because well what's happening economically is you have a larger amount of money that is quote chasing the same amount of goods. So Production hasn't increased tra- tra- dramatically in the time between they hit the print button yep. and when the print, you know, the money got printed out. So prices go up. 
And uh, so what that actually is doing is it's literally taking value out of the pockets of anyone who has the Argentinian peso, or in our case, the U.S. dollar. If you have any savings, whatever's in your wallet, whatever's in your bank account, if you got something stashed under your mattress, whatever your savings is, if it's savings that you have in dollars, or in this case in pesos, when they print more of that money out, you have the same amount of money, but it doesn't buy as much. Your standard of living is going down. You can't get the same amount of food for $100 mm-hmm. at the grocery store as you used to, if you, and so on. had enough money under your mattress to buy a house, then once they print 20% of the money supply ever printed, is that what you said? They said that it fell 20% you in value or devalued. So, I mean, you could look well, at that that way. You're going you to only be able to afford a 20% less nice house. Yeah, good chance of that. And so it's like, are they just trying to extract as much value out of this currency as possible before it all comes to an end? Now, that's a little presumptive, suggesting that this guy actually has a chance to win the election when it uh, actually happens. So what does that mean? What does it mean to win the primary? Well, we get into that here shortly. So Argentina apparently is one of those countries where you are required by law to participate in the election. Really? Wow. I did not know that was a thing anywhere. I think Australia is another one. Oh, wow. Really? I'm not surprised that. about Australia because no. Australia is kind of strange with I don't some know, other things. Yeah, they I do. don't know what the punishment is if you don't because apparently only 69% of the country's 35 million voters actually bothered to show up yeah. to the required quote I mean, unquote election. Wow. Like, what if you're sick or what if you're elderly and bedridden or something? There's I mean, probably, do they. Yeah. Well, also, like, do they make it easy for, like, can you do it online? Like, what are the types of... What if you just hadn't had time because you're, like, a construction worker and you just haven't had time? You what if don't I just know don't want to? better than the next Well, person. usually the, the companies are required to give you time off in cases no, like that. No, not to go vote. I mean, like, you haven't learned about any of the candidates, so you don't know which one you want to vote for. It seems like they don't care about that. They just want you to vote. Yeah, well. yeah, I mean, the responsible thing to do with, like, if you don't know anything about either of the candidates and maybe you don't care is to not vote. Right. <laughs> Well, in this case, uh, 31% didn't vote, and so obviously the punishment may not must not be that severe. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, they would be putting 31% of their population in, uh, in jail, which you can't do. When I went to go vote for Trump in 2020, I didn't know that I was going to be voting for a bunch of other people at the same time. So I was just standing there like, oh, I should have looked these people up or something. And I just chose the names I liked the most. <laughs> I don't think you have to. I think when you're filling it out, you don't necessarily... I think you can leave some of the stuff blank. That's a good point. I might have not had to, but I thought I had to. All right. So the first time I ever voted ever. They get into the question of how this works. How did he actually, quote, win the primary? What does that mean? It actually is, is better than I thought that it was. 603-283-6160. You can call in with your opinions on this. Don't go anywhere. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes to vote on. The masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by the Treasury. In fact, that's exactly how we got this sponsorship. Nowadays, DAOs are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first, nearly a decade ago. 
Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Back to Free Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. 603 283 6160. That's 603 283 6160. That's the number you can call to talk about whatever is on your mind. You can talk about what you think about what we're talking about or bring up a whole new subject. It's up to you. And in the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie, and Ian, and Nikki. And so far tonight, we've been talking about this guy, Javier Millet who wasn't voted into an office yet, but he won a primary. Well, uh, he actually is an office holder. So um, he is one of the, I I guess, the equivalent of like a representative in Argentina. He's kind of like Ron Paul was Mm -hmm. here. So he's gotten some level of political. Ron Paul was like a senator? Uh, No, he was a a rep, U.S. rep. So I believe that he is uh, what they call a national deputy there. And his party is apparently La Libertad Avanza, which means liberty advances. Oh, I like that. But he's also apparently a libertarian, which is in Spanish Partido Libertario Hmm. in Argentina. So he's got a few different affiliations. But anyway, this guy won the presidential primary over the weekend in Argentina, a country that is beset by a terrible rate of inflation. Last I heard was about 100%. Uh, the we just learned that Argentina requires its citizens vote, but yet only 69% went to the polls, so it must not be a very significant penalty if you don't vote. And I think it's silly to require people to vote. I mean, it's yeah, it's strange. I mean, it's bad enough that we have ignorant people voting here in the U.S., and that would just bring more ignorance, I think, into uh, into play. But uh, so the story from the AP gets into a little more detail, like what does it mean when we say he won the primary? Because here in the U.S., when you quote unquote win a primary, it's not necessarily particularly. It's big just within news. your own party, yeah. so your party's obviously going to choose someone to run. Yeah, I mean Aria Demetso, our co-host, who's sadly in in prison right now for selling Bitcoin without government permission. Uh, at uh, you can go to the Crypto Six com if you want to learn more about or that ariademezzo.com com. yep you can contact her in in prison there um but uh, she won a primary in the republican primary here for the uh, the sheriff's seat but she was only against a write-in candidate and although that write-in candidate was their usual major candidate that they run he screwed up and didn't file in time or whatever so he had to do a write-in campaign and she won and there was actually all this publicity and hubbub over but she lost the general election to the incumbent candidate anyway so what is this so noteworthy for well according to the story uh, after doing much better than expected, the upstart candidate who gained notoriety and a rock star-like following by angrily ranting against the political caste, in his words, is now a real contender for the presidency. And uh, they say here the major parties 
had contested races to be its presidential candidate. Malay's race was uncontested and got a few more points than the candidates of the parties that have dominated Argentine politics. With around 97% of polling locations reporting, Malay had around 30% of the total vote. So apparently in Argentina, the people voting in the primary are all just voting in the same election. So all of the candidates, it sounds like, yeah. are maybe in the same... I don't know. So that's kind of what I'm... Ex- yeah, so it's not like here where there's the Democratic primary and then the you know Republican primary. It doesn't primary. seem like that. Seems like it makes more sense. For, I never really understood like why there are these parties and why they get to have this their own little things i don't know the candidates in the main opposition coalition the united for change were at 28 percent and the current governing coalition united or sorry union for the homeland had 27 percent so uh union for the homeland sounds bad it they all sound pretty bad but uh, 30 percent for malay 28 percent for the opposition quote-unquote to the current power structure and then 27%. So the major parties together, of course, got more than Malay did. But individually, he scored higher than any of the major party candidates. And I'm guessing wow. those were the, the combined totals of mm-hmm. the other candidates in the other parties. In order to win the vote, the real one that happens two months from now, Malay would have to increase his share of the nation's votes by 15%. A high hurdle, even in a nation where voters tend to favor candidates that they see as winners. If one candidate doesn't receive 45% of the vote, they would need 40% and a 10-point lead over the second-place candidate. Otherwise, the race will go to a November runoff between the top two. Hmm. So, he's still got some work ahead of him here. That's an interesting... That, see, it all sounds... Other than requiring people to vote, it all sounds like a better system in the United States. Like... Any person is just running. It, it doesn't mean, oh, this group of people is part of this set of ideas, and so only one of them gets to run. No, everybody's just running, and then, well... Well, I don't know who gets knocked out uh, after this primary. I presume that the major parties will only be fielding one candidate in yeah, the so, end of this. Hmm. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. Whoever so it's just one per party, Yeah, yeah based on whoever got guess. the most. Yeah, but still, it's like the entire country is voting for all these people instead of, well, you get to vote for whichever one the Democrats eventually pick. We're presuming. That's what it sounds like. It's what it sounds like. And and then the other thing is, well, you can't just win if you didn't get at least 45% of the vote. Like in in America, way less than 45% of the entire country votes for the actual president who wins. Yeah. And I will say there is a huge emphasis, at least in the United States, on party. So mm-hmm. many people, they just will vote, okay, Democrat, Democrat, Democrat. Like, it doesn't matter who it is. It's just like, I always vote Democrat, so, like, that's what I'm going to vote for. And a lot of people, I, w- I would say most Americans kind of fall into that category where they just yep. blindly vote per party, and they don't really, they're not voting for the person, they're voting for the party. Yep. Right, and the fact that so many people in Argentina have seen it to where they can actually vote away from the two parties yeah. and vote for this other guy whose party, I presume, has never done anything more than win a few representative seats or something like that. It's pretty noteworthy. In celebrating at his election headquarters, Malay vowed to, quote, bring an end to the parasitic, corrupt, and useless political caste that exists in this country. He said, today we took the first step toward the reconstruction of Argentina. A different Argentina is impossible with the same people as always, he said. It's true. 
He has been a lawmaker in the lower house of Argentina's Congress since 2021. They've been struggling with an annual inflation over 100%, rising poverty, and a rapidly depreciating currency. And Malay first attracted wider support by calling for the country to replace the peso with the U.S. dollar. Franco Lesertesur, age 19, said as he celebrated outside of Malay's election headquarters in Buenos Aires, he said, I'm very happy. We're looking for a change. We're tired of living like this. All the countries that have been dollarized ended up moving forward and stopped having inflation. Well, what he means Mm. is they stopped having 100% or 50% or 90% inflation and instead were only subjected to the inflation that the U.S. government is doing, which is less. uh, And for their um, case, it's an improvement. The main opposition coalition called United for Changed moved more to the right as former security minister Patricia Bullrich, who made toughness on crime a centerpiece of her campaign, handily beat a more centrist contender. In the currently governing coalition, the Union for the Homeland, the more business-friendly candidate, Economy Minister Sergio Massa, easily beat a leftist contender, but still took an overall beating from voters frustrated over the poor state of the economy, finishing in third place for total votes. At his electoral headquarters, Malay's party leaders were ecstatic while people celebrated outside, expressing optimism their candidate's support would only grow in the run-up to October. Another young voter, another uh, 26-year-old here, Orlando Sanchez, working in uh, the retail sector, said this. He said, I like his ideas about freedom. His ideas don't scare me. People are free to choose what they want. If criminals walk around with guns on their belts, why can't an ordinary citizen have one lawfully and with the proper documentation? Hell people, yeah. People, well, are clearly, well, yeah. <laughs> people are clearly tired of politics and being constantly lied to. I mean, yeah, that sounds pretty on point. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't sound angry to me. Oh, that particular voter? Yeah, it seems like he's Excited, optimistic. like I said, yeah. looking for, forward to change. Yeah. Right. So there was an interesting post that, uh, again, this has been being spread all around, you know, social media by libertarians like, oh, is Argentina going to become, you know, the libertarian capital of the world? Is is New Hampshire going to be second to Argentina soon? Now, again, this begs the question of what can one man do? Because yeah. you have to remember, for all the excitement about Ron Paul and as principled as Ron Paul was, once he's actually in office... He can only do the things that a president can do. Now, when it comes to, like, withdrawing the military from overseas engagements, he could do that. So that alone would be worth having a libertarian president. But he can't, like, just abolish the IRS offhand. He can't just, you know, eliminate the DEA. He can't just go in there and completely decimate the U.S. bureaucracy. You would also have to elect a U.S. House and a U.S. Senate full of libertarians as well to even have a chance at being able to kind of overturn the status quo. So, of course, it does beg the question of how much power does the Argentinian president have? What sort of things would Javier Malay be actually able to accomplish by himself, presuming he doesn't have, you know, any congressional backing of any sort? And that would be a question for somebody who perhaps has grown up or spent time in Argentina and is more familiar with the uh, you know the political system over there. So I, I don't I don't think that even if this guy wins election, you're going to see Argentina turn into some sort of libertarian paradise. But is it an indication that the people of Argentina are upset? Yeah, definitely. And and it is an indication, I think, to the other two parties 
that they should probably, you know, if not go total libertarian, they should be a little more friendly to some of this guy's ideas. So maybe I'm trying to pull up his website and I'm both my phone and the computer in here. It says I've been blocked and I have to email oh. the owner if I want to view it because they have some kind of. Oh, that sounds. I wasn't. I I uh, looked it up and I wasn't able to even find it. I typed in Javier Malay website. Yeah. So um, maybe if he does get elected, that will send a message to the Congress there in Argentina that, okay, it's time to get rid of the central bank. You know, I'm expecting a bill on my desk in the next two weeks or whatever. And maybe maybe he will be able to actually accomplish some of this stuff. But again, I think people need to be realistic in their expectations. People tend to want to believe and it's a. It's a wrong tendency that mankind tends to have, which is this this one great man will save yeah. us all, whether it be the people who think Trump is the the uh, you know the, the son of God and he's here to save us from the evil government or that they think Biden's going to get in and completely yeah. change things. I mean, I think those people just don't understand how politics work. No, like, they're that's completely that's ignorant. the big issue. It's like in Napoleon Dynamite when they're having a high school um election summer weekly i think her name is she says i'm gonna put um i'm gonna put lip glosses lip gloss dispensers in all the girls bathrooms and it's like i always thought even back then i was like would the principals let her do that no she could probably just say it and get people to vote for her it's just a go it's just a promise it's the same thing right like politicians will do that oh i'm gonna do x y and z and then they get into office and they don't do it and people call them out on it and they're like oh well I'm trying my best. I don't have the power to do any of that. Okay, well, yeah. then why did you say that you did? Yeah. Just to get elected. She also says about Pedro running. It's a guy from Mexico that uh, goes to their school now. She says, who wants to eat chimichangas every day for lunch the <laughs> next year? Not me. And I doubt that he would have the power to do that anyway. So Spike Cohen, who is a uh, libertarian activist, he was actually their vice presidential candidate in 2020. Uh, fairly well-known libertarian activist in the libertarian circles. He commented uh, in regards to Javier Malay's success, and he made a really great point because there's a lot of people out there. Let's see if I can pull up the exact statement that he made. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who think that libertarians should be toning it down. We need to have a big tent. We need to make sure that we don't upset anybody with our viewpoints. No, we should tone it up. <laughs> Right. And so this is the point that that he essentially made was that, you know, he this guy has a very strong platform, apparently, of slashing the the government back, ending the central bank, uh, legalizing organ selling. Right. So, like, these are pretty serious. Wait, so is positions. that something he's already. Oh, no, that's just one of his positions. Right. He didn't like put a bill forward. No, do I don't that. know. I don't no, know about okay. that. I mean, I can't say what he did as a as a congressman, but. You know, these are pretty uh, serious positions. And as Spike Cohen pointed out, look, there's all these libertarian strategists who say, we have to be careful not to be too bold in our messaging. It will scare off voters. And then you have this guy in Argentina who's being very bold with his libertarian messaging. And, and we heard from one of the 26-year-old uh, people that were supporting him saying he's not afraid of freedom. He's not afraid of the things uh, that can happen. And of course, that is what the government wants people to do is to mm-hmm. be afraid. They want you to live in a state of fear. So they will be the ones who will save you from whatever the, the boogeyman of the moment is. 
Uh, again, I you know it's hard to say what's going to happen here, but it is certainly big news that this guy won this presidential primary with more votes than either of the uh, major party candidates could. It's achieve. very clear that the mass media propagandists are against him too because mm-hmm. i'm over well, here calling him right wing i'm trying to google javier malay website who knows why i'm being blocked from viewing his actual website maybe he's getting too many hits on it and he wants just you know argentinians to be able to look at it i don't know it isn't uncommon for sites to block uh vi- visits from outside of the country so yeah like- so i put on a vpn well okay it might still be outside of the country but it, it wouldn't be United States. But anyways, when I'm just Googling, okay, then let me just Google Javier Malay um, policies. What does he believe? What is he running on? All those things. Every single thing I looked up. Al Jazeera, Reuters, uh, Buenos Aires Time, Wikipedia, AP News. It's They all have the word far right in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I saw a lot of titles with that too. And I... Based on what I'm hearing him say, like to me, those aren't far right ideas. I haven't heard anything. You know, and he's not really saying anything that crazy either. Like he's really not saying anything that far out there. Maybe the human organ things for some people that I mean, to me, if I can donate my organs, why can't I sell them? Like what what is the difference? You know what I mean? So for some people that might be far out there but i mean even that that's not a far right belief exactly. to be able to sell your organs you know what i mean what's right wing about it and also what's right wing about downsizing the government i just don't understand what's well it's right more wing about it. conservative right and typically conservative not kind really of. i mean like the conservatives want the status quo they want but us I would, to keep it how they it love is big right government. now yeah but i would say like by the definition of what conservative is supposed to mean right it's supposed to be they're more conservative with government control and taxation and stuff like that maybe there's they're no supposed to true, be though. maybe yeah, they're it's supposed not to true, be but not blowing up the government even bigger maybe that's what they're supposed to do but i've but never heard do. of any definition yeah, exactly that well, they're supposed to be downsizing I mean, the government either especially in the united states i mean i think we can agree democrat Republican, it's the same thing. Like well, to right. me, there's you know they'll they'll be different on like a few key points to you know get people reeled in. But typically, it doesn't matter who you vote into office. I mean, whether it was Biden or Trump, they were both doing the same They're thing. They're both going to make the government so, bigger. Exactly. I think the thing you have to separate is the politicians from the run of the mill conservatives, right? So the, yeah. the conservatives, if you were to get a conservative alone in a conversation and say. Are you are you in favor of big government? They're going to tell you no. Yeah, of course. Now, you're still going to be able to nail them down on certain things like, well, you think the military should get more money, right? Oh, yeah, of course. So so they don't really believe in small government. They just don't like certain government agencies, and they want those things yeah. reduced. But they, once they get in, like right now, they don't like the FBI because they're not running things. Yeah. But as soon as uh, you know Trump or whoever else, you know whatever Republican gets in next mm-hmm. is in, all of a sudden, all the talk about abolishing the FBI is going to go up in smoke, yeah. and they're going to say, well, we know how to run the FBI. And yeah, we if think Vivek Ramaswamy wins the election, he's just going to be like, well, I whipped the FBI back in shape, yeah. and now it's good, and now we got to keep it. So, but, so the you know, your run-of-the-mill conservative voter, they may actually want to see government get smaller, quote-unquote, but the politicians sure don't. They only but say that say, to get elected. Exactly. Yeah. So... So what does this guy actually believe? I mean, he says some really good things. I certainly like what I've heard so far. I wish him the best. Um, And to the Wall Street Journal's credit, unlike most of the articles you're talking about, Bonnie, that do refer to him as far right, at least the first sentence of the article about his hair 
does say <laughs> that he is a self-described anarcho-capitalist. So, like in the first sentence, yeah. it at least gives him the you know the ability to describe himself yeah. in this particular story. So, good luck to uh, Javier Millet in the next couple months. And yeah, I did also do a VPN connection, and his website's blocking Europe and it's blocking the the United States, from what I can tell. So, I think that yeah. he's probably getting a lot of hits right so like he wants to make sure limiting it to argentina he wants to make sure only potential voters in argentina are the ones that are getting the service because if you get this kind of a blow up on the media you're going to get a crashed website i mean it's almost it's almost a guarantee it was in spanish anyway from like the preview i could Mm -hmm. see so it probably wouldn't have helped me much um but as far as Talking about the politicians all being the same, Democrats and Republicans being the same. I do have this story from Al Jazeera that has themes of that, in my opinion, because Trump, Biden, it didn't matter. It doesn't matter who's in office. There are people on the border who are not being allowed in, who are living in devastating uh, conditions. And everybody, no one wants to talk about it right now because, well, Joe Biden's in office. Everybody wanted to talk about it and do nothing about it when... Trump, Trump was in was office. In. Yeah. But- no, and that's that's another great example. Even when Obama was in office, it was yep. the same border crisis where like children are being abducted, they're being kept in literal cages like animals, like that was happening under Obama and no one heard a word about it yep. until Trump got into office and then all of a sudden it's Trump's problem. Yeah, I I never even knew about it when uh Obama was in office. Um that's how much they just didn't talk about it. But um, this one is actually about Afghans who've been uh, fleeing deteriorating economic and humanitarian conditions, Hmm. finding themselves with few pathways to seek refuge. And this is from Al Jazeera by Brian So the U.S. government went in and destroyed their country for 20 years, and now they want to get out, and And they're not allowed to come here? Right. Of course. Says the immigration detention center was packed. There were more than 100 people in a single room meant to accommodate less than 20 a, which is the code God. word, I guess, an Afghan man who asked that his name be withheld, had come. Are they all sharing the same toilet too? Well, Probably, that's what it sounds if they like. They even yeah. have one. Yeah, there's prisons like that in El Salvador sure. with one toilet for a hundred men. I I knew a guy in when I was in jail a decade ago for civil disobedience. There was a guy who told me he was in jail in Massachusetts in a holding cell with 150 guys and one toilet in the middle of the cell. In Massachusetts, yeah, in Massachusetts, one toilet in the middle of the cell, fully within view of the 150 people in the cell. Oh my god, that's crazy. (laughs) I mean, that's just it's it's dehumanizing. Yeah, it's what it is. I mean, everything that goes on in prison is dehumanizing that's seriously but. how how far away is that from the people who were taken away on uh trains in germany and they had to poop where they were standing i mean somebody's gonna poop themselves if 150 people have to wait well mm-hmm. and poop. exactly and that's it's the gross. thing too it's like whether it's a real toilet or a bucket like you were saying like when they were transporting people or when they were you know in the gulags or you know in nazi germany like what is the difference you know it's it's either way it's inhumane it's really gross but um, this is just on the American border to, I think, the southern border to America. A hundred people in a room meant to accommodate less than 20. A, an Afghan man who asked that his name be withheld, had come to the United States with his wife to seek safety. But as they experienced their first days on U.S. soil, a different reality sank in, one in which their future was all but certain. Well, we thought our problems had been solved, that we had escaped the risk of prison and torture in Afghanistan, he said. Hmm. We didn't know 
that this was what awaited us in the United States, unquote. And where else do you go? So, and how did, do we know how they got here? Was it like they got approved for some sort of um, like refugee program or did they just show up? Like Maybe they just showed up. Yeah. Like um, it, I think that they got brought here by America because it really? says here, it says, A has spent the last six months in the detention center stuck in a limbo that awaits many Afghan asylum seekers arriving at the U.S.-Mexico mm. border after the Taliban takeover of their country. With limited options for legal immigration, thousands of Afghans like A have resorted to desperate measures, embarking on dangerous trips to enter the country irregularly. Okay, I, I, I skipped that part. Yeah, so, no, it does sound like they didn't get brought here. It sounds like they came in through Mexico. But then it says, in like A, many have found themselves swept up in the U.S. immigration detention system, faced with possible expulsion. Mm-hmm. So that's where Back I'm to in. Afghanistan, where you might be put to death because you, you know, pissed off the Taliban for some reason. What do you think? You can call in at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. Eleutheromania. The insatiable desire for freedom. We have been enslaved for all our lives. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And in the studio with you tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. And Ian. And Nikki. And we actually have a lot of callers on the line right now, so we're going to go straight to your phone calls and thoughts. Shag, you're on the phone. What's on your mind? Hello? Oh, it's muted, Bonnie. you got to hit the... The mute button on the phones over there on your board. Oh, sorry that about that. Are you there, Shag? Uh, yes. Can okay. you hear me? Yep, we can hear you. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I just uh, tuned in a little bit ago. I missed the story about the guy who described himself as an anarcho-capitalist being called a right-winger. Yeah. And I just uh, wanted to say I've talked to a lot of people who consider themselves socialists, and they basically believe that anybody uh, – this is something I've noticed a lot that – a lot of these people that are self-described socialists, they think that anyone, anyone who's not a socialist is a fascist. So <laughs> right. if, you're, if you're basically not like full-blown socialist, you're a fascist. And it's just ridiculous. And it's scary that, you know, government schools are totally bringing up a new generation. I mean, this has been going on for decades, but this, the younger generation now is just, they're, they're totally indoctrinating them to become just absolutely in love with big government, to trust the government always. You know, and I also wanted to comment on, you know, you're talking about the toilet in the, for 100 people in a cell. Mm. 
it's just I'm preaching to the choir in this one, but it's insane how the government twists words like Department of Corrections. Like, yeah, that's going to correct somebody. That's going to help help rehabilitate somebody. Especially most of those people probably don't even belong in a cage. No, yeah. You know, and then you got like the Department of Justice, the Department of Defense. I mean, what kind of defense? It's it's Department of Aggression. Offense. Yeah, you know, it's just, aggression. It's total insanity. So, just some things that I was thinking. Well, thank you so much. I think we have some of the smartest callers sometimes. Um, I agree with all that stuff. Yeah, I think that the socialists who think that anything that disagrees with what they think is literally fascism, it's just cult mentality. It, it's ironic because what they believe in is essentially fascism. You know what I mean? Yeah, the government. Like, or at least like a dictatorship, means. you know, like look at socialist countries. You're going to tell me that that is a you know good way to live? Yeah. Sure. I consider, like, the cops, the way we have cops right now, and we have to pay for everyone's protection to be socialism and um, having every single industry that way. I don't see how that wouldn't be fascism. Like, we all have to pay for each other's everything, and the government controls it all centrally. Isn't that fascism? Uh, Fascism, as I understand it, is where the government has a distinct tie to corporations essentially Hmm. and you know essentially what we have right now is a mix between fascism and socialism in the united states because you know we do have corporations and they are very influential within government government regulates those corporations very tightly so there's a very very tight relationship between and of course government is a corporation we shouldn't forget that yeah uh and at the same time there's all the socialist programs like the military and social security and things like this which are forced government wealth redistribution so you kind of got a mixed bag of the worst of both worlds yeah absolutely um, although i do want to say one thing and i i had to go and look up something about it but i didn't want to just jump in on uh the caller there Uh, without really having any information. I know that it's sort of the standard belief that, well, they're shoving all this stuff down young people's throats these days and look at government schools, and they're really bad. There's no doubt about it. But apparently it's not necessarily working how they want it to. If you believe some of the polls out there, uh, businessinsider.com has a story that was published. I think this is fairly recent. I don't know if I actually have the date on this one, but uh, it's called The State of Gen Z. So within the last few years, this came out. And the claim is, not that this is good news, but it's sort of contrary to what he was saying. Gen Z is more conservative than many realize. Yeah, I've heard that as well. Mm -hmm. I I think it's just another case of the loud minority where you have these like, you know, hyper liberal types that are just really, really loud and they're they're gaining a lot of media attention. And and I think also where you have like Hollywood kind of also being mm-hmm. like holding a lot of those beliefs. They're yeah. pounding it hard out of Hollywood. Exactly. For sure. So so it's like, OK, if you're watching movies and, you know, tuning into like main, a lot of mainstream media sources, it's like, yeah, you might think that the majority of people, especially the majority of young people think this way. But, but maybe that's not. An, yeah, I think it's not always an accurate representation of the actual belief of the population. It says here, just in one of the little bullet points on the story, uh, that uh, Business Insider did a survey of more than 1,800 people between the ages of 13 to 21, and the majority of them did not identify as either conservative or liberal. Hmm. Oh, good. That is so, good. I don't know what they're identifying as, but it can't be worse than conservative or liberal, can right. it? <laughs> I don't know. 
Well, I mean, I don't know if they had any answer. It's a good question. They I might just sure. not know. Yeah, I'm curious about that. Or, or not care. Like, I don't know. I, I feel it, like the yeah. general sense I get from a lot of Gen Z people is just like, I just don't care about that stuff. Because, yeah. I mean, I understand. It feels almost like your future prospects are kind of in, in bleak right now because there's so much inflation. Um, it just I, seems like all you can do is, you know. I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's uh, based in reality. Just Just based on, like, my hunch, I guess is I think it has a lot to do with social media and TikTok and stuff like that. A lot of the younger generation mm-hmm. seems to be very absorbed in the technology and in the social media. And I think like they're more focused on like all of the social media influencers and less based in reality. Whereas like you'll see like boomers who, I mean, this was before the internet and like they seem to be more involved in politics because when they were growing up, like that's kind of all they had was like, okay, you're going to read the newspaper. What do you see in the newspaper? Like it's going to be more on, you know, local stuff and politics and stuff like that. So, I mean, that would be my guess. Obviously, I don't know that for a fact. The but. other thing is that kids do tend to rebel against what their parents believe. And I feel mm-hmm. like millennials and Gen X, a lot of them were liberals, at least in like, you know, major cities and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. maybe a lot of kids are rebelling against their parents because I have a friend who was on the show with us who's. Gen Z, like six years younger than me or eight years younger than me. And um, he always argues with other guys his age and always shows me like, oh, look how annoying this is. This guy's like a huge Andrew Tate fan. And like he didn't, I don't know, he makes it sound like that it's his, these guys are like rebelling. Like they don't like all the feminism stuff that's been pushed down their throats for years and they're kind of rebelling belling and they are going the way opposite direction like andrew tate has a lot of fans why i don't know he's ugly well right and what is the average demographic of 4chan i don't know uh but you know when i see things from 4chan i don't think of mature people right (laughs) like i think of people i mean i'm sure there's plenty of people there in their 40s and their 50s that like to act that way doesn't mean they're mature you know when no one's around uh but i get the impression that it tends to attract a younger audience and so there is definitely like a hard right group of people in these younger uh, demographics, which doesn't mean that's a good thing. That's just different than what you might be led to believe. However, at least according to the Business Insider poll that they conducted, and it looks like this was 2019. So at this point, it's a few years old. Uh, but they did ask of the 1,800 people between 13 and 21, how do you get your information about what's going on in the world, 59% of them said social media. Yeah. Uh, 50% surprisingly still said television. 36% hear it from friends, which is kind of like social media, right? Yeah. Like, who are you look, Word looking of at mouth, there? I guess, yeah. uh, online news outlets, 31%, 29% from their parents, and 21% radio, 10% newspaper, and a whole wow. other 9% say they avoid the news. But uh, when you actually dr- uh, dive down into the issues, there's almost universal agreement on Gen Z on legal weed and climate change. So that does mm-hmm. lead to what our caller was saying, where maybe the the shoving of these things down these kids' throats in government schools, the propaganda, yeah. for instance, about so-called climate change, has been the fear-mongering has been so constant for them in the last 20 years of their life or whatever that they fully have bought into this belief that the earth is going to kill us all and you know we we need the government to do something about it yeah i think in regards to climate change in a lot of schools 
they are teaching it as absolute fact and some of what they are presenting to them. Yeah, absolutely is real data and real facts. Um, But as we know, you can skew things and you can present things in many different ways to achieve different results. According to the survey they conducted when they spoke with people who identified themselves as Republican within Gen Z, it said here that the Gen Z Republicans are much more likely than Republicans in older generations to say government should do more to solve problems. And they're less likely to attribute the Earth's warming temperatures to natural patterns as opposed to human activity. So uh, only 18% of Gen Zers who identified as Republicans said they believe the Earth is warming because of natural patterns compared to 30% of Millennials, 36% of Gen Z, I think they mean Gen X, and 42% of baby boomer Republicans. So a lot more Gen Zers are buying the propaganda about this. Even when I was in elementary school and middle school, they talk, I just don't really remember it much in high school, but I know in elementary and middle school that they just taught us global warming like it was fact. Yeah, I mean, I remember this, and this was when I was much younger. Um, they taught us about the Ice Age. Mm. So one would assume if there was an Ice Age... That means that our Earth's climate is changing. It's not like what we see today, you know, within the past like few hundred years. This isn't the, how it's always the, been. Exactly. Like this isn't how it's always been. And this isn't how it's always going to be. Um, so it one would assume that the weather patterns changing is because of natural causes. And listen, I'm sure, you know, some of the, the man, you know, caused things are can also, you know, disrupt the natural balance of things, I'm sure. Maybe. But I don't know. I just don't think it's enough to be like, the government has to get involved and we have to do all of these things. And I, I think my main issue with, it's not whether climate change is real or not or whatever. My main issue with it is all of the government interventions are actually making things worse. Of course. Um, at the very least, they are not good for the environment. And so thing- if we're talking about pollution and not, you know constantly you know being exposed to all of these toxins then i mean they're not doing a very good job that's what i was gonna say um and well not that but basically i i think that this whole talk about oh the earth may go up two degrees on average blah 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 this stuff that doesn't really matter and is also just um you know hypothetical or or you know it's a bunch of scientists saying like i think this might happen and then 50 years from now it hasn't happened yeah um well i think that it kind of takes away when you google like if you're somebody who's like i'm kind of interested in that you google like what should i be concerned with environmentally you're not going to get oh they're putting glyphosate in the food supply you're not going to get uh actually important stuff like you know plastics everywhere as as often Like, that's the stuff that I'm concerned about. Right. Well, were you know? were we on the show together, Bonnie, when we read the old quotes from the 1970s? Yeah, yeah. we all three were. When, yeah, when Earth Day was getting started mm-hmm. and these people were saying, we're coming into a new ice age. They're going to be mass starvation on the planet. Billions of people are going to die. Three-fourths of the like, planet will die in 20 years. All by, like, the year 2000. Yeah. And, and then here we happened. are, and not a single one of those things happened. And it was so interesting because it's like, first it's the Ice Age. 
no, no, now now it's global warming. Right. And now it's, it's like climate change. The opposite. It's like they're they're just taking a dart and throwing it and you know, at is, a list are, of different things they could say. It's these like, are what? the same. I mean, it's 50 years ago, but these are so they're not the exact same people, but these are the quote unquote experts yeah. of their time. Mm-hmm. And the same quote experts are doing the same doom and gloom uh, show yeah. just with a different set of circumstances. That's yeah. all. And, and there's a reason for it. I mean, there it's the, fear, like yeah, we were talking like, about earlier. Yeah. Well, I want to get to the phone, back to the phones, and to you guys' phone calls and thoughts. We have Dave Ridley on the phone. Dave, what's on your mind? Hey, well, for once, I kind of have to call in and talk about myself. All right, <laughs> Dave, go ahead. <laughs> I just wanted to. Uh, I, I received some requests. I kind of shut down the Ridley report about 18 months ago. Uh, you know, where I go and ambush interview politicians around New Hampshire with my camera. Yeah. Uh, but mostly because of YouTube deplatforming. Uh, but I've received a lot of requests to to restart it. Uh, YouTube or no YouTube, hits or no hits. Uh, and so I'm doing that. I have restarted Yay. it. Yay. And uh, thank you to Ian, of all people, after all he's been through, for being the first person to come forward and, and volunteer to advertise on this newly reformed. Uh, project. Nice. Sure, happy to help. Yeah, so I should be, <clears throat> and uh, weather permitting and schedule permitting, I, I hope to be uh, at King City Hall and uh, at some uh, government me- some government meetings with my camera on even the better. 22nd or so. <laughs> nice. Um, I said even better. You're going to target Keen first, which awesome. you know warms my heart. So are you? <laughs> well, it's, it's logistics. <laughs> but, <laughs> are you going to be posting to Odyssey and YouTube still? He's off YouTube. Not YouTube. Uh, oh. It'll be probably Odyssey and BitChute. Now, I'm I'm always keeping my ears to the ground. What other options might be out there? I haven't found anything else except for uh, possibly Freedom of Phoenix. They have a, a platform you can use. Hmm. So I'll probably register wow. for that and give it a try. Um, yeah, anyway. I'm glad that you made this decision, Ridley, because uh, you're a very influential activist who has been in New Hampshire from the very beginning. You're one of the earliest movers you have such a long history of doing, you know, not just activism, but recording activism and being there, um, sometimes being the only person in a given place where some sort of activism is happening. And it's like, if, if the activism happens and no one gets a photograph or no one gets video, then did it really happen? Uh, yeah, it probably did, but we can't prove it. We can't show it to other people. We can't get people excited. So having having one more guy with a camera out there, I think, is uh, is really important. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, so if anyone wants to advertise on this reformed uh, channel project, whatever you want to call it, just, uh, just email me at ridleyreport at live.com. Ridleyreport at live.com. Nice. Ridleyreport at live.com. Thank you so much, Ridley. Correct. I really yeah, it appreciate like you're it. Sounds like a windstorm there. Yep. Sounds like you're in a wind tunnel. Well, thank- yeah. oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. But thank you for the call, Ridley, and thank you for bringing your channel back up because it, it's a really interesting and entertaining channel he has just no fear he goes up to people and asks them tough questions and it's hilarious the way that they respond and try had to you get seen out of his it. stuff before you moved to new hampshire no you showed it to me ah uh, okay yeah there's a yeah lot. i hadn't seen anything until matt um showed me but i think matt told me a story and i maybe shouldn't even say this on the air because i don't know if this is true but i'm gonna say it anyways <laughs> I think, if I'm recalling correctly, Matt told me that when he was in New York before he moved, Mm -hmm. that Dave Ridley was one of the first people that he found online Mm -hmm. that really inspired him to move to New Hampshire and to even, like, 
learn about what kind of activism was going on out I here. I believe it. So I, I think that is, if I'm recalling correctly, that is a, a true story. Maybe we'll have Matt on soon. It's not can, just him. It's um, been countless yeah, heard, people. Yeah. Lots of people say that. The Dave Ridley is the thing they found online that they were like, whoa, something's going on out there. And then and they found huge. out about the Free State Project. Yeah. There. yeah. I mean, I think Matt's great. I'm so glad that, uh, <laughs> he's, that he's here. Yeah. I'm so glad <laughs> that he's here. So thanks, Dave. I mean, you basically, uh, right. you well, know, didn't he influence you to move here? <laughs> Um, I, well, I mean, I'd already... Or was it Russell Canning? I, so I was already a Free State Project um, signer. I mean, I signed but up for the Free State Project. They're the and, ones that made you want it to be New Hampshire? No, no. Um, no, uh, New Hampshire was chosen in 2003. Dave hadn't moved here at, at that point. I guess I'm thinking of Russell Canning being here is what made you choose Keene. Yeah, Russell and Dave were living in the Keene area at the time, and they were doing the really exciting activism here. I don't know if Ridley had started Ridley Report at that point, though. Wow. Um, but else? there was someone else who was here making videos of what was happening. Dave was just always sort of uh, a visible participant in the Free State Project. Back when there were forums, the Free State Project used to have its own forum with for you know, kids these days, you don't know what forums are because all we have now is social media. But it was a place where people could go and post mm-hmm. messages exclusively about the Free State Project and like where we were going to move and all that stuff. And Dave was heavy on that forum. He was a very uh, major participant of it. Now he's always on ShireSociety.com. Yep, he's helping promote Shire Society's forum, which is forum. Awesome. Dot, yep, forum.ShireSociety.com. And um, but he he definitely was one of the earliest movers and he was definitely one of the earliest like activists out in the streets doing stuff. Mm -hmm. And then he started the Ridley Report and that really brought I think I might have been here by the time he started the the Ridley Report. um, But he certainly was an influence in countless people. I mean, Free Talk Live influenced a lot of people to move to New Hampshire. I would say Ridley may have influenced more, if not somewhere similar to what Free Talk Live has uh, has done. So when I heard that. He had given up doing video production simply because he got deplatformed by YouTube. I just thought, man, that's not the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can I understand how it's like demoralizing. Yeah, yeah. Yes, very right? frustrating when all of your content is on that platform and you know, that's that's losing a lot of work. And he's also demoralized because he wasn't getting the same amount of views on things like Odyssey. So I, I think understand. what happened, though, wasn't that if I recall his call recently where he explained it, uh, he said that his channel hasn't been deleted. It's just he doesn't want to risk getting more strikes on the channel. So yeah. he's not uploading to the channel. Oh, yeah. He did uh, say something like effectively off YouTube. Yeah. So I think that what he could do, I don't know if he's listening right now, but I'll, I'll suggest it to him later if not. But what he could do is kind of like what we did with the Free Keen channel, although uh, Bonnie posted her video today, I think in full to YouTube, to the Free Keen channel. But what I've been doing for the last two years on the YouTube channel was we, we migrated all our content over to Odyssey, which yeah. you can go to video.freekeen.com and you can see it there. But we were getting some you know potential for strikes on the channel, and I didn't want to lose all that content either. So I figured rather to rather than risk it, we'll just upload little teaser videos to YouTube. That way the YouTube subscribers can still see that we're producing new content. They just can't watch the whole video there. They mm-hmm. have to go over to Odyssey if they want to see the whole thing. So that way the teaser video is less likely to break any of the rules on YouTube. Yeah. And so we can still kind of take advantage of that audience while not hopefully losing the yeah, channel. Yeah, that's a good idea. What I, I was utilizing the feature where you can upload videos to YouTube and then it automatically links. To over to Odyssey, but then you can kind of still run the risk where if you're saying something, obviously I'm just posting 
interesting yoga classes, so that's not really that spicy or controversial. But someone that is, they might be concerned about, even if you are using that to just be deleted from YouTube, it still limits your audience. If YouTube deletes your upload before Odyssey can grab it, then it will be gone. It will never make it to Odyssey. Mm -hmm. So that's why I stopped in early 2021. It's actually right before we got raided. Uh, I said I'm gonna just I'm gonna break the link between YouTube and Odyssey. Yeah, and just go and just straight, upload straight to Odyssey and yeah. then put a teaser on YouTube. So Ridley could try that, or at the very least, he could put a little promo like, "Hey, you know, like a little 30 second or minute long promo. Hey, it's Ridley, I'm back. You know, do weird Ridley <laughs> things. And uh, but then just put links to his new channels in there. That way, mm-hmm. his old audience can find his yeah. his new yeah, channels. He should definitely do something like that if he starts on Odyssey. And I didn't bring it up yet. And it's been an hour and a half into the show. I put my video of my parking ticket win on the Free Keen Odyssey and the Free Keen YouTube channel. So right. go check those out. It's very entertaining. My friend said he was watching it like it was the Casey Anthony mm. trial. <laughs> which I watched the case every Just second of the Casey the Anthony trial. Um, 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. The Shire Free Church offers a sanctuary to those seeking an escape from state churches. The Shire Free Church is an interfaith, diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs. As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church, you are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people. We want to learn from each other. What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace love, and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual. The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com. That's church.shiresociety.com. Talk Live, talk radio that you control, 603-283-6160. That number is 603-283-6160. You can call in with whatever's on your mind. You can talk about whatever you've been hearing us talk about or bring up something totally new. It's up to you. In the studio with you tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. It's Ian. And Nikki. And I'm going to go right back into you guys' phone calls and thoughts. We have Chuck in Washington. Uh, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind, Chuck? Yeah, hello. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I really appreciate. Uh, I found a new appreciation for this show after listening to the other people on uh, Free Talk Live. I don't mean to be rude, but uh, that's just uh, the way it is. It's uh, different. It's totally different. You know. Well, here here's the thing about one of your callers about uh, earlier in the hour. He's very concerned about. Uh, children and uh you know the impressionable minds and uh, the the government has influence over your kids well i i'm i'm not entirely convinced that that's accurate okay because 
we have time and time again government failing people just like they do in Hawaii and then Paradise, California, and soon to be in a town near you where it's just going to make people sit there and question the government and the quasi-government agencies that have rule over your life and uh, have uh, uh, control over the utilities. As soon as they start to fail and uh, people's lives get turned upside down, they start to question the government. They start to look at the government in, in a different way. And um, so I, I, I don't think that uh, we have to worry too much about this idea of uh, every kid is a socialist or turning into a socialist. Or, um, In fact, I think it's just the opposite. They see how crazy these two parties have become, the Democrats and the Republicans, that uh, and uh, it forces people, that's not me. That doesn't represent who I am. I'm not mm-hmm. going to stand up for a criminal, and I'm not going to stand up for socialist authoritarianism that wants to take uh, my guns away and uh, wants to do this and, and that. And so, Well, the numbers on the Business Insider poll back up what you're saying, yeah. where the, the majority of respondents uh, between the ages of 13 and 21 and this was in 2019, uh, did not identify with either the Republican or Democrats. I've got to agree. That, first of all, worrying doesn't help. So just sitting around worrying, oh, the government's got everyone's kids, there's this huge army. I, I think that right-wing media likes to put that fear out there to people like, oh, look at all these, everyone's a left-winger now. Yeah. And they, they, they put people into boxes and um, label them like they act like every LGBT person is a serious left-winger and it's more just like people in inner cities in california i think there's a bigger difference between people in cities and people not in cities than there is just in like even generation differences um i i I think that most people look at these people on tv claiming to be the government these goons and parasites and say those people don't represent me and don't fall into one or other side of the cult so Yeah. yeah i appreciate that yeah, I think you're absolutely correct, Bonnie, especially with the like country people versus city people. Because even just thinking about it, I mean, the way people live in a city versus the way someone that lives, um, you know, where their nearest hospital, for example, is like four hours away, like they're really out there in the middle of nowhere. Those people, like, those two groups of people are living life completely differently Mm -hmm. um so to expect those people to kind of believe the same things to act the same way or to even have the same needs i mean their needs and their wants are completely different um and i and i do think it is important to kind of like value the differences of individuals within our country and i think you know the the political parties don't represent the majority of people they really don't i think yeah yeah, I, I feel I see the same thing, and uh, that the, I think the situation is ripe here for uh, you know the uh, the 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 movement that's happening in New Hampshire and uh, um, a lot of these other movements that are disillusioned with the way that our our current go- the two party system works and how loaded it really is, and um, so I. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I understand this person's concern, but I just don't think it's. It should be a front burner concern. Yeah, um, it's important to not get too wrapped up in the fear mongering. Because well, okay, yeah, please. No, I mean that was pretty much it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I just just because these young people are saying they don't identify as Republicans or Democrats doesn't mean that they understand that government is the problem. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they are buying that libertarianism is the solution. It just simply means they are frustrated with the current choices. And, and that's yeah. why every time the situation is ripe for someone to possibly understand, like start understanding freedom, like a huge group of people could totally look at this terrible situation, like, you know, d- during 2020 for the BLM stuff, look at the terrible situation, like all these people getting killed by police. Oh, it's ripe for everybody to start understanding freedom, right? Well, it's also ripe for somebody to swoop in and say, I'm your savior. I'm the government. <laughs> yep. And yep. people, some people fall for that and some people don't. People are individuals, but it, it seems like those things are easily uh, grabbed by the government because they're not stupid. They can uh, also see what's happening and uh, they could change real fast. Uh, anything else on your mind, Chuck? No, thank you for your time. Well, thank you for your call. Um, we also have Major Payne on the line in Michigan. What's on your mind, Major? Yeah, you guys were talking about this uh, upstart politician and down there in Argentina. Yeah, yep. Javier Millet, the libertarian who won the Argentinian primary this weekend. All right, well, I'm not sure. I, I wasn't sure until Bonnie said that she couldn't pull up his website and whatnot anymore. But I was listening to the radio this morning while I was getting ready to work, kind of half paying attention. And I heard a little bit about this, and then I started paying attention a little bit more. They had an interview with this woman that was supposed to be his uh, vice president. Evidently, this man was assassinated. He got no. headshot like three, four, five times in the no, last, I, th- I don't know if it was early this morning or late last night or what. I think really, I might, haven't seen anything. Yeah, I that. think you might well, be confusing I, I, him I, with the uh, Ecuadorian uh, individual who was assassinated within the last week. Um, but no, Javier Malay has not been assassinated by from what I've seen. All right. Well, that might be just my bad getting Ecuador and Argentina confused, but I can understand how that would they're happen. Two different like continents, said, but close enough. I mean, no, they're the same continent, Ian. Really, Ecuador? I thought that was uh, Central America. Uh, but Central America is not a continent, right? It's. Uh, I think technically, it's kind of a continent. no. South America is yeah. a continent. Yeah. So it's like Central America is South- not part of South America, though. Central America is part of South America. No. I don't uh, think so. Let's see. Well, I'll do true. some some research. I think Central America is like a you know word for the region, but it's not a different whole different continent. Because Mexico is Central America, but it's, I mean, no, no it's North America. North America. It's North America. My bad. I was going to say it's Central America, but North America, mm-hmm. but that would be wrong anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry about that, uh, Major Payne. I think you got the. Well, anyway, anything else on your mind? Countries mixed up. Yeah, I think it, it was NPR I was listening to. And if you can't pull it off of anything else, look up that and maybe it'll shed a little light on it. Well, it might be interesting to look up the guy who did get killed. I, I think that Ian's right was like El Salvador or something, but. It appears as though Central America is considered part of North America. Oh, well, either way, it's not. Okay, so there are two different continents, but Central America is not a continent in itself. So nah, that's right. not, apparently, yep. Now you know. Yeah, we were both wrong. <laughs> Anyways, um, we also have Skeeter on the line in California. Skeeter, what's on your oh, mind? Boy. Oh, it's your boy, Skeeter Heimer again. Hey, thanks, Bonnie. Um, I don't know if you can hey, as... Our boy, but you <laughs> are a caller of the show, so go ahead. Okay, whatever. But uh, I, w- I wanted to talk about like the reputation system in a true market, uh, since I think uh, it might be the most critical piece of in- infrastructure in society. Is I believe um, 
it'll not only take place of the justice system, but uh, it'll likely replace uh, money itself. You know, you can forget DROs, insurance, and stuff. I think the rep- uh, dispute resolution organization. You know, I always hear this with ANCAPs. It's ridiculous. Wait, so you believe ridiculous. that people won't use money in the future? They'll just have some kind of a reputation with each other and, like, give each other things? I'm, I'm genuinely interested. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I don't think, I think it's gonna um, That sounds like commie stuff. More... It does sound like a communist, like a fairy tale, communism really. idea. <laughs> I mean, why are you laughing? That's kind of like the basis of communism where it's more like communal and you're not using any sort of like money or trade and barter system. I don't see what's necessarily status about that. I mean, maybe you're thinking of the Chinese reputation system, which actually, uh, we didn't. Uh, I, well, I, I want to just clarify. I didn't communism like to me isn't necessarily like a statist thing. There are like some communes that um, are kind of operating outside of the government. So, right. It'll it'll be used. I mean, they don't believe in money, though. So, but I'm saying this is money. So this is no, you. That's what, they, exactly what they do. They don't believe in like a physical thing to be used as money. They, they will just do what they can do it, to get by in their community. Everyone shares. Basically, it's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, and you I said did. people weren't going to use money. That's exactly what Nikki said. So you guys are agreeing, and Skeeter doesn't understand. All right, thank you for the call, Skeeter. Very interesting um, to talk to you. But um, was it though? We still have this story we were getting into from Al Jazeera about the border crisis, and it's not just Mexicans down there being held in cages. Apparently, it's also also Afghanistan people or Afghan people from Af- Afghanistan. Um, ever since you know the United States was there for twenty years, destroying their country and bombing them. Apparently, that caused a lot of issues over there, and um, a lot of people had to flee to escape the risk of prison and torture, apparently. But a man being called A tells his story here. It says, A has spent the last six months in a detention center stuck in a limbo that awaits many Afghan asylum seekers arriving at the U.S.-Mexico border after the Taliban takeover of their country. So after the United States left, Taliban took over because... Well, the United States left them a whole bunch of tanks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. With limited options for legal immigration, thousands of Afghans like A have resorted to desperate measures, embarking on dangerous trips to enter the country irregularly. And like A, many have found themselves swept up in the U.S. immigration detention system faced with possible expulsion. I wonder where they will send them back to... You would go back to Afghanistan Mm -hmm. and then probably face certain death. Like, if you're trying to leave because the Taliban's after you and your family, and then you're forced back onto, I don't know if it was a ship or a plane or whatever, and you have to go back there, you're going to have a tough time. And I think a lot of these conservative people that are like, oh, you know, they're just coming here to steal our jobs and whatever, (laughs) I think they don't realize what it takes to flee your home country and try to come to America. Like, it is no easy feat. These people aren't coming here for free handouts and whatever. Mm -hmm. Typically, you know, they're either coming from Mexico or another country because they were in a dangerous situation that made it important enough for them to, you know, embark on kind of a dangerous road and a dangerous journey to to try to better their lives or or save their lives. So I've never met someone who came here from Mexico and is on welfare. I've only met like white Americans who are on welfare, but me too. Um, 
Layla Ayub, a lawyer with the U.S.-based Afghan and immigrant rights group project ANAR, who is representing A, says, nobody would take these risks unless they had to. It is 100% related to the fact that there are no accessible pathways to the U.S. Mm-hmm. I mean, I found, I saw something so interesting recently, and I wish I knew where I found it, that is a project where people are going to be able to see how, how hard it is to become a United States citizen. Um, I wish I remembered any details about what I'm talking about, but I think it's rather difficult. I I know I, I've heard stories about the test that they'll have you take. Like if you're not, I, some people can get married and, you know, do it that way. But if you're trying to take the citizen test, it is so difficult. It's just a lot of like history. nonsense U.S. history like that. Pe- no one knows. Right. Uh, or honestly, that doesn't even really matter. And allegedly, like most American people that are you know educated in the public school system would fail it yep. horribly so did do i it, say easy or did i say hard i think you said difficult right oh okay yeah it's the 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 point of that is to make people figure out how difficult it is because a lot of people are just completely ignorant to that people don't even know you have to take a test some people don't know mm-hmm. um and people just think oh well if you don't like it wherever you are you can move somewhere else well a lot of times it's not just as simple as that um a and his wife have strong ties to the u.s both worked with the U.S.-backed government in Afghanistan in areas like security and human rights. And that makes sense that they would be a target. It's kind of messed up that the United States didn't take more people like them to take them to the United States after making them targets in Afghanistan. Yeah, that's really terrible. But that history made them and others a target for potential reprisals under the Taliban, which swept into Kabul in August 2021 after the U.S. withdrawal. Previously, the U.S. had toppled the Taliban government when it invaded Afghanistan in 2001, and it continued to fight the group during its two-decade occupation. When the Taliban returned to power, A and his wife felt vulnerable. They sold their possessions and left, with the U.S.-Mexico border as their destination. The journey, however, took them across thousands of miles in more than a dozen countries— First arriving in South America, they joined the train of migrant and asylum seekers traveling north through Central America. Oh, South America. I think I read that as South Africa, so I got confused. Um, A dangerous trek across tangled rainforests and steep mountains. Wow, it just seems like, wow, that's the most direct way. But I guess when you're doing things illegally, they just don't let you go into certain countries. When we were walking through the jungle, I never felt tired because I was hopeful that our situation would improve when we reached the United States, Mm. A said in a call with Al Jazeera. But the hazards went beyond the physical terrain. Criminal groups and abusive authorities along the way often prey on migrants and asylum seekers who face high rates of theft and sexual assault. Mm. A says he was robbed on the trip, losing his passport as well as his money and electronic devices. Wow. Stories like A's have become increasingly common as Afghans are stuck between perilous conditions in their home country and a restrictive path to refuge in the United States. All right. He could have just, in a free country, if there was such a thing, uh, which is what this was supposed to be, 
you know, he could have just come here, right? Like, you, you wouldn't have had to go on this crazy journey involving all kinds of strangers that may or may not be there to help you or take advantage of you or possibly molest you or kill you or rob you. He could have simply just shown up at any port of entry in the United States and been allowed into a free country to make a better life for himself. It could have been like that, but no... Once again, fear, fear, fear is coming into play by the U.S. federal government thugs who are trying to get you to believe that immigrants are out to get you, they're out to murder you, they're out to get your kids addicted to drugs or sell them into sex slavery or whatever the the current fear-mongering stories are about immigrants. And this is why we can't have nice things like people who really want to have some semblance of freedom who are willing to put everything on the line i mean this this is the kind of person that we want to have here in the united states someone who is so dedicated to escaping the tyranny under which he was living that he's willing to put everything on the line to come do it he shouldn't have to he should be able to just manage to scrape together the funds to get on a, a ship and get over here. But no, instead, it has to be this arduous journey, which has now led to, I believe, the first part of the story said six months in a detention camp so far. Yep. Still Once waiting for here. whatever the next stupid bureaucratic yeah. hoop is that he has to jump. Yep. It's Speaking horrible. of bureaucratic stupid hoops... It says, initially when the U.S.-backed government in Afghanistan collapsed in August 2021, nearly 90,000 Afghans were brought to the U.S. through a mechanism known as humanitarian parole in an effort called Operation Allies Welcome. So I didn't know that. But it says, Afghans who were not able to secure passage out of the country, maybe, I don't know, they had to stay in hiding or something like that, during the messy U.S. withdrawal have largely been shut out. Of more than 66,000 Afghans who have sought humanitarian parole since July 2021, fewer than 8,000 had their applications processed, according to an investigation last year from the news outlet Reveal. Wait, so is that out of the 90,000 people? Is that what that was saying? It says that um, 90,000 were brought out and I guess 66,000 more have sought to get out and only 80,000 of their applications have even been process uh, eight thousand or eight, eight sorry thousand. eight thousand of their applications so like out of that total number only eight thousand no no i think ninety thousand got brought oh, here. okay okay yeah that's the part i was going. well either way i mean it, it's just really terrible especially you know the story about a where he was working with the u.s military so it's like okay yeah this is clearly an ally i just you know to to sacrifice so much um, and obviously, you know, like proving that he's, you know, on our side, so to speak, whatever that means, um, for him to to have to go through, I mean, that horrific journey and then essentially be in prison for six months in these like inhumane conditions. I mean, that's it's it's hard to even think about, you know, like it's it's hard. For, it's hard for me to imagine. The United States government is so evil and disgusting that they'll do stuff like use people they obviously were using afghan people yeah absolutely and as soon as they don't need them anymore just whatever leave them to die by by the hands of the taliban i mean in the the united states would do that to their own people as well you know they have done that to their own people they have just left people to die they have murdered people intentionally well they start wars and thousands of americans die in these wars uh just for nothing but something like getting oil or changing the president of some foreign country that has yeah. nothing to do with us 
It says other programs such as the special immigrant visa set up for Afghans who worked with the U.S. are backlogged. Wait times can last years and more than 62,000 completed applications were pending as of January. Critics say these pathways are too modest to address the needs of the Afghan people, many of whom face heightened dangers because of their association with the U.S. I mean, it's just like, you did this. Yeah. The U.S. occupation, they add, contributed to decades of violence and instability in Afghanistan. Like, I wonder if, you know, the Taliban had been in charge then and was left alone by the United States. You know, if things would have evolved and become better by now instead of... I, I doubt it. But I will say that I do not think the U.S. involvement made things any better. Well, I just don't see how it couldn't be worse now than it would be because you're just adding in this new extra element of violence and destruction, just bombing people's yeah. country. Um, I don't know. I just think that there it, there at least would be a chance for things to have been better by now. Not that you can prove something that didn't happen, but um, I just don't see what we contributed to. The or we, I mean, the United States government. I, well, obviously, there were ulterior motives in the United States. Yeah, you something know, about being in opium. Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there were military guys literally guarding opium fields. Yep. I, you know, I like that. I seems a little suspect to me. Yeah, I mean, I suspect that in the last twenty years, we probably wouldn't have seen Afghanistan rise to be. You know, the most economically uh, superior state in the Middle East or anything like that. I mean, I think they probably would continue to be oppressive and, you know, awful and poor. However, we don't get to know because the U.S. government was over there blowing things up and killing people. And then, of course, things are getting blown back up in retaliation, IEDs, and people are dying left and right. So it's definitely worse, I think, than it would have been uh, if they were just simply allowed to rule themselves. Yeah, killing people rarely makes things better. Mm -mm. Yep. No, it just creates more terrorists. I was going to say, it creates more, it creates blowback. There are people who are just going to say, oh, there's an American flag on that bomb that you know or you know plane that bombed my village now i hate them oh who's the other side the taliban i'm gonna join them Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's pretty logical it says when a and his family finally arrived at the u.s mexico border in december they were not prepared for the experience of being held in u.s detention centers the floors were concrete and the room was packed we couldn't sleep for days said a there was no room to stand and the guards cursed at us A credits his stay with worsening his respiratory issues and high blood pressure. He recalled the humiliation he felt being shackled for three days as he was transferred from one facility to another. Why is the United States treating people like they're criminals without having done anything wrong, without any due process? He's not being charged with a crime. Right, at the southern border. It's disgusting. (laughs) What do you think? 603-283-6160. You can call in. It's Free Talk Live. Hi, I'm Derek J. I don't want a politician to represent me. To me, government is the idea that one group of people can coerce everyone to comply with an edict or face increasing punishments up to and including death. Despite perhaps the most noble of intentions, the best government services are a far cry from what could be provided for by voluntary interactions. 
Besides, the people who call themselves the government wage wars and put peaceful people in jail for crimes involving no victims. If Starbucks used some of its money to drop bombs, I wouldn't shop there. So why would I support the American empire? The empire does not require my consent. Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. You can order your copy of the Director's Cut DVD now at VictimlessCrimeSpree.com. that you control 603-283-6160 is the number to call if you'd like to get in on this last hour and bring up whatever is on your mind or talk about whatever we're talking about it doesn't matter it's up to you it's free talk live and that number is 603-283-6160 in the studio with you tonight you've got me bonnie it's ian and nikki and we've been talking about People on the U.S.-Mexico border being treated like prisoners with no due process, treating like treated like criminals, um, treated very badly, um, treated not like humans, just because they want to freely move from one place to another, and how difficult it really is to get here. In this case, we're talking about Afghans who are trying to come from Afghanistan to the United States because, well, it's going to take them three years to get to their application and then say yes or no about them coming here. It's going to take the United States. Is that what States they're saying is the estimated time? Said it could take years. Mm. Um, Meanwhile, they have to sit in a detention center? Well, it could take three years for them to get uh, approved to come here. So if they've just had to stay in Afghanistan for that time, they might get killed by the Taliban mm. and tortured. Okay. So because they worked with the United States during the United States' occupation, that put a target on their backs. So instead of just sitting there and waiting for the United States to finally get around to their application, they have decided to go through rainforests in southern South America, walk all the way up to the United States. And when they got to the border, they're um, faced with being put in a cage and treated, like I said, really badly, like rats, um, put in concrete cages with um, I didn't say how many toilets, but that are intended for twenty less than twenty people to be in, but instead there's a hundred people in them. Um, you know, exacerbating their health issues mm-hmm. and things like that. And that's what we're talking about. There's a man calling himself A who credits his stay in one of these um, camps with worsening his respiratory issues and high blood pressure. Oh, I believe it. He also recalled the humiliation he felt being shackled for three days as he was transferred from one facility to another, which Mm -hmm. sounds like prison to me. Yeah. I mean, that's how prisoners are generally, you know, treated. And people shouldn't be punished at all or put into a prison at all unless they've already been proven to have committed a crime. Right, and they're not even accusing this guy of a crime. He's nope. just someone who's seeking asylum, and you know that is the political status 
that people who are being persecuted in their home countries can seek in other places. So, for instance, Edward Snowden has sought asylum in Russia because the government thugs in the United States have been attempting to prosecute him and put him in prison for the rest of his life. Luckily, he was able to escape from their clutches into Russia, which is by no means a free place. But it is at the very least a place in which he's not going to likely go to prison for the rest of his life for telling the truth about what the government was doing. So I'm not saying that A is at the same level as an Edward Snowden, but we don't know because he's not telling, you know, he's not saying what secrets he has. If he's returned to Afghanistan after all this, he sure as hell doesn't want them to know what it is that he might be leaving the country for. I mean, he already doesn't want to go back. But imagine how you would feel. And we've talked about before on this show this sort of mythology of the United States that exists in in Africa, for instance. We've had African callers who truly believe still to this day that the United States is this sort of bastion of freedom, is this free place where if you can just make it there – You'll have a chance to build wealth and a future for your family and live in relative freedom. And while it may be relatively free compared to the rest of the world, it is not a free country. And imagine how it would feel to have thought that this was the place that maybe maybe he heard stories from people uh, in the U.S. military while he was in Afghanistan about how great things are in the United States yeah. or whatever, wherever the propaganda came from. It comes, it does affect these people. And he comes here thinking, well, this has been absolute hell trying to get here. I left a very dangerous place. I went through a very dangerous time to cross through South and North America or Central America to get here. And then to be rewarded for your efforts by being thrown into a prison cell with a hundred other people and kept for months upon months now without any kind of movement whatsoever, how much would you really still want to get into this place? Yeah, it, exactly. Good... It, it makes you wonder, like, are we worsening the quality of people that are coming here? I know that sounds uh, kind of bad of me to say, but are, are the people coming in going to be less likely to like Americans after being treated this way, he said the guards were cussing at them. Of course in a, they were in a room where there was no room to stand. The guards are scum. I mean, these are people who are the worst of the worst, and they're yeah. welcoming others into the United States, and they're the ones that, you know. Yeah, welcome. Huh. No, I'm all I'm saying is they're the ones greeting. They're the per- front lines exactly yeah. when yeah. they first arrive here. He says the Americans worked with us. We thought they respected us. Mm. Now this is the situation I'm in. Yeah. That's that's disappointing for sure. I mean, you know, it'd be nice if we had like hula dancing ladies like in Hawaii coming up and putting yeah, a lei the, yeah. on you or something like "Welcome to America." No, yeah. instead it's some uh, some humorless fat border guards or whatever, Mister Skinhead or whatever you want to call them, yeah. or Mister Buzzcuts uh, yeah. that are you know throwing you in a prison cell and then insulting you because you can't speak English correctly. Uh, or calling you names because your skin is brown, or whatever hum- you know, dehumanizing nonsense that they're uh, they're subjecting these people to. Yeah, and I think it speaks volumes that when he was, you know, a benefit to you know the United States, then it's like, oh yeah, he was treated good then. Mm-hmm, sure. You no, know, because it seems like it was a big shock to him. He's yep. like, well, I thought we were friends. I thought we were cool. You know, I thought I'd be welcomed in the United States 
for my service to the military what in whatever capacity mm. that he did. So he was treated one way when they could exploit him. Yep. But the second he's here and he's seen as more of a burden, then, you know, you're going to get treated like crap and, you know, abused and borderline tortured. But that's the thing. In- he didn't say he was here to collect welfare. No, right? he didn't. So, I mean, people see immigrants as a burden, but they are being just propagandized because yeah. the bulk of these people who want to just come here are just looking for a better life for themselves. Yeah. They, You talk to people who work with uh, with migrants, they'll tell you they're the hardest working people out Absolutely. there. They will work circles around native-born Americans as far as their work ethic is concerned. You know, this guy sounds like somebody who just wants to take care of his family and not be murdered. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, is that really too much to ask for? The burden I mean, is actually the U.S. government. The burden yeah. is their their government bureaucracy and their welfare programs and their bureau, uh, their government enforcement bureaus, like the Bureau of Prisons or, in this case, the Border Patrol. These are the, This is the burden. The U.S. military, that's a trillion-dollar burden uh, right there. The central bank right now is, by the way, I believe coming close to collecting a trillion dollars in interest in a year's time they are close to that meaning that when people when you pay income taxes to the federal government that money is not going to pay for government programs it's going to pay the interest on the national debt the interest on the money that the federal government gets as a loan essentially from the federal reserve the central bank so it gets keeps going higher and higher and higher. And what have they been doing for the last year? Raising interest rates. Mm-hmm. So we're at like record levels of just simply interest being paid to these bankers. So you want to talk about burdens. The burdens are not from the people who are coming here to try to make a better life for themselves. They're the reason why this country is great. If there is any greatness left in the United States, it's because of the freedom, the relative freedom we had that was built by the people who came here from all over the world. Um, yeah, it's kind of um, ironic because even if some amount of people who are coming here get on welfare, which I don't think is going to be a large amount, because what would be the point of leaving your you know country where your family is to just come here and sit on a couch and collect welfare? But even if some amount yeah, gets who on wants welfare, to go and cross through. You know, South and North or Central America. Yeah, right. Is for that worth it? Thousands of miles just to get on a welfare check. I mean, yeah. the kind of people who are going to def- going to submit to that level of risk and danger to yeah. themselves, those aren't like welfare seeking people. Yeah, but- typically, if you're on welfare, and this is going to sound bad, I don't care. Typically, uh, if you're on welfare and you're collecting government assistance, you're a lazy person. Yeah, yeah. you're a loser. Majority. You know? I mean, so? I'm sure. That there's some kind of outlier where somebody is like in no other. Well, yeah, yeah, there's like disabled people. Yeah, I mean, of course, like there always is, but um, we don't need welfare to help those people, though, right? We 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 don't need them, no. Or we don't need it to help those people. We could voluntarily do it. But my my point is just if some amount of people coming to the United States get on welfare, I bet that that would still cost the average American less than the actual borders. Border security is costing. Oh, yeah, probably. Absolutely. Think how much we're paying those parasites. Yeah. The guards And they that probably get paid a ton of money. They're probably getting paid upwards right. of, you know, I I don't even have, I guess, like $50 an hour. They're probably getting you paid know? like a lot. I, I have no clue, though. Either. I, yeah, I don't know really what the price point for that sort of thing is. But, I mean, I think cops get paid around $50 an hour, depending. They're also getting, so. you know, like um, benefits and yeah. 
it's it's going to cost us a lot less if we got rid of those people and let people just yeah. walk over the border, come up here, walk into farms and start working, walk to whoever wants to offer them a job and start working. Yeah. I mean, I think people have the right to not be like murdered and tortured. Is right. that really that radical of a belief? You know, I don't I don't mind that these people are, you know, my neighbors. Like I really don't. I just don't see and and it's really sad because I feel like a lot of these people, especially Mexican people, they get labeled as criminals without even doing anything wrong. Yeah. And it's really just like those bigoted white people that are just being racist. I mean, essentially, and we did that. Yeah. So. And they said, I'm sure some of them are good people. Remember, he said, that yeah, there's bad hombres coming over the border. And then people were like, it wasn't racist. He wasn't saying all of them. He just said like a lot of them. Yeah, just most of them. I he, mean, still, he you just know. said, I'm sure some of them are good people. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, another Afghan man who spoke with Al Jazeera on the condition of anonymity and will be referred to as Akbar echoed that feeling of disillusionment arriving here. Akbar said his family spent years working with the assistance agency USAID on construction projects in Afghanistan, some of which came under attack by the Taliban. Now one of his brothers is being held in an immigration detention center, which Akbar likened to a jailhouse. Mm -hmm. Said my brother tried working or to work with the U.S. to improve his country, and now he's being held in jail. He explained his brother's wife and children were released by immigration authorities who dropped them off in the streets of an unfamiliar city with no money or information. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could go on with this story. Oh, I guess it does end here. It says Akbar himself passed through a detention center, but was released with his wife and children about nine days later. We thought we were coming to a humane society, he added, but we have been treated like criminals and animals. How did he get out in nine days? I don't know. It's probably not very consistent, you know. Mm -hmm. They do whatever they want. The Department of Homeland Security did not respond to questions from Al Jazeera regarding the continued detention of A and Akbar's brother. And why should they? I mean, they have no obligation to be transparent. They have no obligation to treat people in any sort of humane manner. It's not like this has changed, right? Like it's like you were saying at the beginning of this discussion, this particular issue, Bonnie. There was all this anti-Trump propaganda because of, well, look what he's doing with the immigrants. Joe Biden is doing the exact same thing. It has not changed. Mm -hmm. They're still uh, separating children from families. They're still putting uh, peaceful people in cages for indeterminate amounts of time. I mean, nothing has actually changed here. And this is, I wondered about this, but I forgot to like say anything out loud. I wondered, like, is he still with his wife? Because it sounded in a couple parts like he was saying he was alone. Mm -hmm. And he says, A's wife, however, was released shortly after her initial detention. Their separation weighs heavily on A's mind. I bet it does. He's still in. She's out. Yeah, for six months they've been separated. Wow. I just don't get why. It's like all just, arbitrary, right? I mean, yeah, like, right. just let these people go. There's probably a different you bureaucrat. Know? Probably that- has a really common Middle Eastern name. Could be, or it could be like, oh, well, you or your name looks like a name of a terrorist on right. our terrorist watch list. But you know, a different woman saw a bureaucrat, saw his wife, and, oh, okay, you know, stamp your paper, have a nice day. And yeah. meanwhile, her husband's stuck in this hell. Imagine being I mean, alone in, a, in yeah. a whole new country. Yeah, it's so horrible. I mean, I guess it's one thing to be like, oh, no, you know, border patrol, like, you can't come in, so go back that way, mm-hmm. you know, right? But... 
They should be to detain people is just they should at least be required to keep people together, like separating children from their families and husbands and wives. Well, they're trying to sell the children into sex trafficking, so they can't do that. They have to take the children. Well, what if uh, keeping them together means keeping them in the detention center? You know what I mean? Like if 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 you can release the wife and the kids. And you got to keep dad in there. Why do you got to keep him? It's just... I'm not saying they, they have to, but I'm not sure which one's worse. Yeah, well... Yeah, I would think a lot of, you know, men would prefer that their family... I read a lot of, um, like, stories from Nazi Germany, Poland, like that sort of era. And there, there's a lot of, like, family stories where, you know, either, like, a mother or a father will, like, go out of their way to kind of sacrifice themselves mm-hmm. so their family can either, you know... Make it. Yeah, exactly. But so. I don't know. Putting your kids in some stranger foster uh, ha- foster parents' house in the United States is basically like giving them to sexual slavery according to the numbers of kids that get raped in foster care. Yeah. I don't know if it'd be better for them to go to some stranger's house and be raised by foster parents than it would be to be in jail with their dad. But that's it for that story. Um, It's very sad and very ridiculous and unnecessary. But we also have another story coming from Kansas. Oh, Ian, do you have that? Yeah, I've got that story, sure. Um, Yeah, it's Kansas, right? Uh, Yeah, I think so. The captain had brought up and... Kansas, yeah. Marion, Kansas. It's a small town of 1,900 people. Okay, so Captain brought this up on Sunday, but never got to get into it. There's a newspaper there, I guess a local newspaper. Must be small, if it's in the mm-hmm. small area. And they had the cops come and raid their facilities and take everything. What happened to you? How much of this did you guys cover on Sunday? We didn't get into it at all. Oh, okay, so he just mentioned it. Mentioned it. Yeah. So um, it's been long enough now that this is a story that has developed since it first came out, and it has developed in a somewhat positive manner. But uh, according to KAKE.com, ABC affiliate in wherever the hell this is, Kansas probably, uh, and a story by uh, the Kansas Reflector, in an unprecedented raid on Friday, local law enforcement seized computers, cell phones, and reporting materials from the Marion County Record Office, which is the name of the small newspaper, according to the newspaper's reporters. Um, I'm sorry. And they also raided the reporters and the publishers' homes. Eric Myers, the owner and publisher of the newspaper, said police were motivated by a confidential source who leaked sensitive documents to the paper, and the message was clear, quote, mind your own business or we're going to step on you. Hmm. The city's entire five-officer police force and two sheriff's deputies took, quote, everything we have, said Meyer, and it wasn't clear how the staff would take the weekly publication to press on Tuesday night. The raid followed news stories about a restaurant owner who kicked reporters out of a meeting last week with a U.S. representative and revelations about that owner's lack of a driver's license and conviction for drunk driving. So uh, sounds like they stepped on somebody's toes and the police decided to do something about it. But it gets even deeper than this because apparently the police chief was involved in some sexual misconduct, allegedly, that the paper was also uh, investigating at that time. 
Meyer said he'd never heard of police raiding a newspaper office during his 20 years at the Milwaukee Journal or 26 years teaching journalism at the University of Illinois. He said it's going to have a chilling effect on us even tackling issues as well as a chilling effect on people giving us information, which of yeah. course was the absolutely the intention of this particular raid. They well, if they took everything, I mean... It's going to have a chilling effect on their ability to get anything out That's of That's right. That's what they were saying. A search warrant signed by Marion County District Court Magistrate Judge Laura Viar appears to violate federal law that provides protections against searching and seizing materials from journalists. The, oh. law, the law requires law enforcement to subpoena materials instead. Hmm. Viar, the judge, did not respond to a request to comment for the story or explain why she would authorize a potentially illegal raid. Hmm. It's not like she's going to actually have to pay any kind of Yeah, exactly. Price yep. Really what happened was, was, you know, she's in the club, so the you know, she's friends with the cops. And he's like, "Hey, you know what? Can't let it get out that I'm a sex offender." The attack on a newspaper office through an illegal search is not just an infringement on the rights of journalists, but an assault on the very foundation of democracy. According to Emily Bradbury, the executive director of the Kansas Press Association, they then get into some more of the background on the story. Officers told him, uh, the publisher, uh, that the computers, cell phones, and other devices would be sent to a lab. He says, I don't know when they'll get it back to us. They won't tell us. The seized computers and uh, information contained include advertisements and legal notices that were supposed to appear in the next edition of the newspaper. The publisher said, I don't know what we're going to do. We'll publish something. Uh, He wrote Friday under... Sorry, this is a different uh, person. So I'm going to jump ahead. Uh, So this is the initial story about the raid. Then, over the weekend, more information came out uh, from the New York Post that the police chief was being investigated apparently over sex-related claims, which presumably the newspaper was reporting on, Mm -hmm. and that might have upset the police chief enough to actually go ahead and conduct a what is described as a Gestapo-style raid. Uh, Gideon Cody and every officer in the uh, Marion Police Department, again, town of 1,900 people. Uh, Gideon Cody. It just sounds like such a, like... I don't know, somebody that would live in the town of where deliverance happened. <laughs> and uh, every, that was Georgia, by the way. Hmm. Uh, and every op, but there's, you know, rednecks everywhere. Hmm. But uh, they all stormed into the Marion County Records offices with a search warrant and seized computers and servers. This story gets much worse here. They also raided the home of the editor and publisher Eric Meyer and his 98 year old mother, wow. Joan. In the middle of the who night? Then. I don't know if it was in the middle of the night, but then she died the next day of shock and grief. Imagine. Oh, my God. He literally killed his mother. Imagine the last thing. The last thing that happens to you before you die is your home is invaded by an armed gang of thugs who then steal everything from your family Who knows and how they son. treated her and right. treated them? I mean, they were treating people here really badly the days of the raids. Yeah, so there's more to the story. Because, you know, the United States often raids news uh, people. If you, if you didn't know that the Free Talk Live uh, studios have also been raided, The Free State Project has reached its goal of 20,000 liberty lovers who've pledged to move to New Hampshire and get active to achieve liberty in our lifetime. Perhaps you're trying to figure out what part of New Hampshire should be your destination. If so, consider Keene. 
You'll find more than 150 reasons to move to Keene at move.freekeen.com. Keene is famous for its historic, publicity-generating activism, as well as being the liberty media capital of the world. It's home to freekeen.com, New Hampshire's destination for liberty activism, news, and opinion. For years, we've been compiling over 150 reasons to move to Keene at move.freekeen.com, where you'll learn about some of what's happening here and what makes Keene a great place to live. If you love liberty, you'll probably enjoy anywhere you end up in the Shire. But do your due diligence first. Please visit move.freekeen.com for the full list of over 150 reasons to move to Keene. That's move.freekeen.com. Talk Live, talk radio that you control, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio with you tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. It's Ian. And Nikki. And we've been talking about a newspaper company in Kansas, a small town in Kansas, that got raided um, suddenly and... It was their company and also some of the individuals involved, their personal houses, and why they got raided. It doesn't seem like they did anything illegal, so I'm not exactly sure why, but one of the likely reasons why is because they were reporting on one of the very cops that ended up raiding their company and houses. And then killing, uh, not directly, but basically... His own 98-year-old mother, Joan Meyer, who was the paper's co-owner when they raided the home of the publisher, who was living with his mom. He's taking care of her, right? She's 98 years old. Uh, She died the following day of what he described as shock and grief, stressed and unable to sleep when police seized her computer and smart speaker, as well as her son's cell phone and even his router. He had answered the door thinking it was her Meals on Wheels delivery. God, that's so sad. It's really freaking They should sad. be able to sue them for that. I don't... That's where qualified immunity comes into play. Yep. These officers, even though the next update, there's another update on this, and that is that the uh, prosecution in this little town or the county or wherever it was has said they don't, do not believe that this was a legitimate... Uh, confiscation of property and they have wow. asked the judge to order wow. all of the property returned wow but i want to go into a little more details on the background of what it was that ostensibly was going on here so according to the new york post again this old lady passed away uh the next day the marion county record it's a weekly paper it served the rural communities of marion county which has eleven thousand people the town itself is just under two thousand and until now, had never been at the center of a national battle over freedom of the press. But as First Amendment advocates spoke out against the raid, it emerged the paper had been investigating Chief Gideon Cody of the Marion Police Department, who previously worked for the Kansas City Police Department. So moved yeah, from he's the big around. city into a small town 
uh, police chief role. He's 54 years old. They were investigating him after receiving an outpouring of calls claiming that Cody had retired from his last police post to avoid demotion over sexual misconduct allegations. Cody joined the Marion County Police Department in late April after retiring as a captain in Kansas City, where he was for 24 years. Meyer told the handbasket Substack that his outlet had been contacted by Cody's former colleagues about the claims of sexual misconduct, but that his six-plus, the six-plus anonymous sources ultimately never went on the record and reporters could not obtain Cody's personnel file. So it sounds like people who worked with this man had reached out to the newspaper and said, this guy is corrupt, here's what he was doing, but because they're cowardly cops and they don't want Cody to, oh, I don't know, come after them in some way, shape, or form, they would not go on the record. They would not specify who they were and why they knew what they knew. So it was just allegations at this point. The explosive claims, as well as the identities of the people who made them, were contained on one of the computers seized during the raid on the newspaper's office, according oh to Meyer. Imagine being so gross that you would even just be one of these other cops that isn't getting hoodie yeah. and agreed to come do this. Like, yeah, we'll get the computer and erase that for you, sir. Oh, I think he wants to know who they are. Oh, oh, uh, I oh, I think he I wants see. to find out who's been talking about him. Yeah. That's really probably. dangerous. But I, yeah, I agree with what Bonnie's saying, where it's like, imagine kind of going along with this like i'm sure if he's the police chief like they can't really it was every single yeah. officer yep yeah all five so. of them oh but they're they're just sheriffs. doing their job i mean they're just following yeah. orders yeah i mean the right thing to do would have been to say that sounds illegal no <laughs> yeah. i'm not going to participate in that uh this was the publisher saying i may be paranoid that this has anything to do with it but when people come and seize your computer you tend to be a little paranoid he said and he's That's- absolutely right <laughs> The Kansas Police Department told The Post it could not discuss whether Cody had been investigated during his tenure on the force, citing the state's Sunshine Law, which sounds like a strange name for a law that would allow them to not talk about something that went on with their personnel. Mm. Uh, Normally you name a thing the Sunshine Law when it is opening files for examination. Shines white on truth. Uh, this is the stuff that, you know, Vladimir Putin does, that third world dictators do, said Meyer, who is 69 years old. He said this is Gestapo tactics from World War II. A search warrant for the raid says it was issued over an allegation of identity theft by its reporters. So the police are saying the reason for the raid is a local restaurateur named Carrie Newell who apparently there was a claim made after someone sent the paper and a member of the local council documents that showed she had had a DUI, which would make it illegal for her to have a liquor license. Newell also threw the Marion County Records reporters out of a public meeting held by a local congressman, which was attended by the police chief, and used a city council meeting to accuse the paper of illegally obtaining her DUI records. Wait, she kept them out of a public meeting of... Apparently. The town? Yeah, I I don't know if it was like a town meeting or if it was just like at her restaurant. It's not clear where the meeting was taking place. Uh, But she did admit that she had a drunken driving record. The paper never published her DUI details, and the publisher had denied acting illegally, claiming he believed they'd been sent to the paper's reporter, Deb Groover, because of a legal sparring between Newell and her ex-husband. During the raid, Cody seized Groover's cell phone from her hand, injuring a finger as she that she had previously dislocated. 
quote, we didn't publish it because we couldn't nail it down to the point that we thought it was ready for publication, he said. Cody didn't know who our sources were. He does now. Cody, Mm. the police chief, declined to respond to inquiries on Monday whether allegations of sexual misconduct were filed against him while working at Kansas City Police and referred the post to the Kansas Bureau of Investigation. KBI spokesperson Melissa Underwood said the agency started its probe early Monday, adding she had no knowledge of any sexual misconduct claims previously filed against Cody. And does it say spokesperson? No. <laughs> she wrote in the post uh, an email on Monday saying, as we transition, we will review prior steps taken and work to determine how best to proceed with the case. Once our thorough investigation concludes, we will forward all investigative facts for the prosecutor to review. Well, it seems like the prosecutor doesn't want to prosecute this. So. Yep, that's the uh, the final update here. Cody worked for eight years as a patrol officer in Kansas City before being promoted to sergeant in 2007. He became a captain in 2014 and then retired from the department on April 22nd. And then days later, he accepted the job as Marion's top cop. So it sounds like yeah. he's one yeah, of these he retired, double dippers. Right? Yeah. So hmm. by retiring, that means he's getting his police pension. Yeah. So he's getting, you know, 90% of what his previous paycheck was as a captain, which is probably pretty decent in Kansas City. And now he's making whatever the full-time salary is as the chief. I'm surprised that's allowed. Oh, they do it all the time. Yeah, it just seems like that. That just doesn't seem right, obviously. Every one of those court um, guys down there, those old men that they have at the court building. Every one of those guys are retired cops. Who are getting their retirement pay from the state yeah. of New Hampshire, and now they're getting paid a full-time salary on top to be court security officers. Oh it happens all over the place, yeah. and it's well, not just police. Well, to reward them for being good little um, lobotomized people who will just do whatever evil thing they're told to do. As well as law enforcement, Cody describes himself as business and leadership oriented. And at one time, he ran a company selling an anti-ramming vehicle system called Road Safe Barriers. Brian Kerman, his business partner and colleague of more than two decades, says he knew of no sexual misconduct allegations against Cody while working for the Kansas City Police. Not that he would be honest about it if he did, but uh, he said he'd known him for 20 years and never heard of anything Regarding those allegations, in a statement released Saturday, his department cited a criminal investigation in response to the inquiries about an ongoing probe. Quote, the Marion County Police, Marion, Kansas Police Department believes it's the fundamental duty of the police is to ensure the safety, security and well-being of all members of the public. So how is it that raiding a newspaper is doing that exactly? Hmm. Well, he didn't make that explanation, but he did say this commitment must remain steadfast and unbiased, unaffected by political or media influences in order to uphold the principles of justice, equal protection, and the rule of law for everyone in the community. Sure. The victim, whoever that is, asks that we do all the law allows to ensure justice is served. The Marion, Kansas Police Department will... Oh. (laughs) Will something, nothing less... So, there's this... A Latin thing that they do sometimes when uh, they print a line that somebody wrote incorrectly where they put oh, okay. in parentheses the letters S-I-C. S-I-C. Yeah. And uh, they put that here because apparently he left out the word do. So the original line was the Marion, Kansas police will nothing less. So he just forgot the word do originally. Mm. Uh, so that's that. So now you know. So you're pointing out he's dumb. That the police, yeah, or at least he didn't edit or check over his piece before he released it. Oh, it was typed out. Okay. So, I thought I was speaking like that. So now we know that the police are 
not talking in any sort of detail about what exactly they were Who investigating. Who was the victim? I, I've listened to the, this whole the article. Lady, the lady that they were allegedly um, uh, illegally... Well, they illegally obtained her DUI record, which mm. I thought that no, was... No, they didn't. They, uh... But wasn't that what it was about? What they were claiming? What they, Yeah, they were claiming. Yeah, that that's what the raid was about. It. They never even published it. Yeah, apparently. so you'd think that... Well, and obviously that was just, you know, like a BS reason yeah. just so they right. could and raid s- them and steal their stuff. Apparently someone sent the paper documents showing she had had a DUI. The paper then looked for, for like, can we verify this? Yeah, and then they couldn't. They couldn't get that information... And uh, and then apparently the woman admitted it while she was at a council meeting that she had had a drunk yeah. driving record. So, so it's like, and it's like, so if you did and you're talking about it, then what's how is she a victim? Crime? Yeah, yeah at the, the very crime? least, how is she a victim? Like that's essentially public record. I don't know. And I I think the funniest part about this whole story is the fact that if they didn't raid the newspaper, and even if the newspaper did come out with a story accusing him of being a sex offender or whatever. Mm-hmm. That probably would have stayed on a local level. You know, this is a very small town. Sure. I doubt very many people are reading this newspaper. Mm-hmm. It would have right. blown over probably or or kept it a small town. He could have retired and went somewhere else. Probably would have. Yeah. But now it's like national news. Yep. We're talking. And, I mean, yeah. National news about Gideon Cody possibly being a sex vendor and then yeah. raiding people's houses and killing grandmas in order to keep the secret down. So good yeah. job, Gideon Cody. Yeah. So... Like, it could have kind of been a a small thing, and now it's going to be a huge thing, and people are talking about it because people are outraged. How much you want to bet that he's having some sort of affair? I don't know if he's married or whatever. Maybe he's having sex with the restaurant owner, and so he's doing her a favor, essentially, by going after her rivals at the newspaper. Uh, NBC Kansas or NBCnews.com has the the update here, the good news, if you want to call it that, because, again... There's no bringing back this man's 98-year-old yeah, uh, so, mother oh who my God, died so the next day after this raid. But if you want to call this good news, it's a development. It's at least that. Uh, police had insufficient evidence to raid the offices of a small Kansas newspaper. According to uh, the government prosecutors, officers raided the record, which we just explained in a case that infuriated press freedom watchdogs. Police said they believed an employee might have committed a computer-based crime But, quote, upon further review, according to Marion County Attorney Joel Ensi, he says, I've come to the conclusion that insufficient evidence exists to establish a legally sufficient nexus. And he's the prosecution? This is the county prosecutor. Between this alleged crime and the places searched and the items seized, he said in a statement. He said, further, as a result, I've submitted a proposed order asking the court to release the evidence seized. I've asked local law enforcement to return the material seized to the owners of the property. Lawyer for the paper said he was working quickly to get back those seized items. So there's a little bit of good news. You basically have the Marion County prosecutor saying he could not determine any kind of reason why these items should have been seized in the first place. There's no quote-unquote legal nexus between the allegations and the devices that were uh, were seized. But that said, the police have now had these devices since Friday, so they've had all weekend to, to look through all their stuff, look through these things. And yeah. I don't 
you know, we don't know if these things are encrypted, but the guy who's running this newspaper, 69 years old, I mean, he's himself is a pretty old and guy. And he already said, now they know our sources. He so did say that, yeah. So it sounds like these were encrypted. unencrypted drives. They could have imaged the drives. They could have copied everything off of these drives by now. And, they, you know, returning everything doesn't necessarily mean they don't already have copies of all of these things. So, I mean, this is scant good news at best. Whether this will open the police department to any kind of uh, liability for these actions still remains to be seen. And I, I would say it probably won't because yeah, of qualified immunity. Because they're a mafia. They got a woman, um, somebody calling themselves a judge, to write off that they were allowed to do this. Well, it's, not, it, it's out of their hands. It's in her hands. And then she has her own qualified immunity, whatever kind of judge qualified immunity they have. They don't get in trouble. It's, well, it was my opinion and blah, blah, blah. So, well, it was all an accident. Sorry, we'll give you your stuff back. Even though the damage has already been done, mm-hmm. the man's mother died and the cops got to look through his stuff and see who his sources are. Yep. And now those, no people's lives are probably, no. those people's lives are probably in danger because this person's uh, this Gideon Cody, yeah. he has shown himself to be a thug. Who will... He's clearly unhinged. I yeah. mean, he sounds like a raging lunatic. Right. You know, he's definitely probably a sex offender. I mean, <laughs> right. we can this... kind of, you know, confirm that now. This makes I me mean... really think that more than I would have ever before. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, to go to this extent to to try to, you know, hide that information from the public. Find out who's saying it. I mean, that screams guilt to me. You know, and more than likely a cop is either going to be, you know, a wife beater or a sex offender. Yep. So, I mean, I mean, I don't want to say you should judge people by, you know, how they look necessarily. But here's (laughs) here's a picture of the police chief standing Looking like he's uh, he's got his arms spread. He's on a on he a beach. He looks like a mafia member. He looks That's like, like a like total how mafia, yeah. yeah, would stand like. Yeah, I don't know. He he looks gross to me. Yeah. So that's the update there, and they're going to have to give the stuff back. The prosecution couldn't find any reason this really should have happened. And now apparently the investigation is in the hands of the Kansas Bureau of Investigation, which, of course, we have no should have no expectation that that will result in any kind of justice whatsoever for these officers and this particular police chief, who, again, is already retired and receiving his retirement regularly. Hmm. Well, and he probably... That probably isn't going to stop. He's going to keep getting his money and probably just retire from this one. Well, even if he loses this job, then he still, they're not going to cancel his retirement checks, are they? From Kansas City? No, I don't probably think so. not. I He's don't not think they do that. Like go to jail for doing something like no invading way. someone's house and killing their mom. Well, no. I mean, it seems like he retired from the first place because of the allegations of him being a sex offender. That's well, we what it know. seemed like. Yeah, it's hard to say. It's not clear. That's not at least on the record. That's yeah. that's what apparently that's what the people One, who were working with him yeah. anonymously were telling the publisher of this newspaper, but they weren't yeah. willing to actually I mean, back well, it with and, their identities. And what did it what did it say? It said they were getting like flo- like a flood of reports. Six mm-hmm. of them, I think. So typically, I mean are six people? I mean, I, not always. It I mean, isn't we don't know. Always. This could be uh, to be to be fair to Mr. Cody, which the, the he doesn't is, deserve it. Um, but you know, to play devil's advocate here, it could be that these are just some of his enemies within yeah, the old department, and they're Nikki just trying to make life hard because for him. it's one thing to have just an average person having sexual assault allegations, even if it's six people. I try not to say like, oh, I know that it's true because six people mm-hmm. are alleging. But when you're a cop, 
Yeah. You it's are showing yourself to be a violent um, idiot thug yeah. parasite. So I just think that it's more likely that it's true. That's all. Yeah, I mean, typically, I yeah. And I, They're I more try... likely to abuse their wives. We know that. Yeah, much. I mean, like, those are actual statistics. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just, you know, the science is settled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if there ever could be settled silent, uh, science, it's it's on this particular issue. That's for sure. Well, we were talking earlier about governments being stupid and making it hard for people to get into their borders um, with this Afghanistan or man from Afghanistan and his wife who tried to come in. But Nikki has a story about a woman who left her country to have a baby and now they won't let her off the boat. Is that what it is? With um, her baby? Kind of. So uh, a mum to be clearly this is very British. <laughs> a mum to be flew 4000 miles across the world to give birth on a beach and is now stranded off the coast of Granada, I think that's how you pronounce that, with her four-month-old baby. Okay, so this has Mm. been going on for four months. I did not know that. Um, Lulila Gerzil, 38, and her husband Clive, 51, feel like prisoners after getting stuck, unable to register her newborn's birth or apply for a passport. The couple left the UK and were traveling to Rodney Bay, St. Luca, um, so Lulia could fulfill their dreams of the most natural birth on a beach there. But her waters broke at sea, and baby Luisa was born on April 23rd, 2023. So, on a boat? apparently, on the boat. Mm. Typically, those things take a little bit. So, mm. I don't know. I mean, that sounds like it was either a very quick birth, or maybe they were really, really far out there. I don't yeah, know. I wonder how long this boat ride was supposed to be. Yeah, um, and it's strange that they still can't apply for a passport. Yeah, you know, like no one will let this infant child on, like in their country. It's so they were going ridiculous. to where Saint what Saint um Saint Lucia Lucia Okay, yeah. it's Caribbean island. Yeah. Oh, from Granada is that? Where's no? Granada? I thought they were coming from the UK. Did I miss that? Yeah, they're they're from the UK. Oh, okay. Um, ever since they have been in a battle against bureaucracy to get her home. To make matters worse, they left their daughter, Elizabeth, eight years old, in the United Kingdom because they couldn't get her passport renewed. Oh, my God. Initially, they were told by a hospital they couldn't register her birth because she was more than 24 hours old. Then an immigration... A hospital, just to be clear, are we talking about in the UK, not necessarily it, they don't, you know? They don't specify, okay. no. It wouldn't be the um, UK because, well, I, I don't know. I'm assuming, yeah, they could have called, but I'm assuming yeah. it's the local hospital wherever they are, but... Well, if they had the baby on the ship, wouldn't it be under the flag of whatever the ship was under? Yeah, yeah maybe. I, you, you would think, I but don't know. somehow <laughs> they're not able to get the baby a passport. Maybe it's international or... waters, so there's something like, oh, well, there's no country but, that but owns But typically, her. right, cool. like, even in international waters, wouldn't it be... Whoever owns the boat. I, either way, they want to get home mm-hmm. to the UK and they can't without registering the baby because if it doesn't have a passport, it can't That's so internationally stupid. travel. So and you don't have to get a passport or a birth certificate or a social security card. You don't need to do anything like that for your children when they're born. But if you want to leave to the travel. country yeah. legally... You do, but what if they're just so a four-month-old baby? I don't understand why yeah, you, you can't think just they walk would in just with them. 
That's the thing. You think they would just let them go home. You know they're not a terrorist. Maybe you can do a test to make sure they don't have a disease. Yeah, no, but this is just bureaucracy. Yeah. So um, the story continues to say, now they claim that the UK High Commission said that they need a DNA test, which they are still waiting to get the results for. Feeling stranded and abandoned and running out of money, the pair say they don't know how they will get back to the United Kingdom. I just realized one thing that might be not a good reason for any of this, but one reason why they might be doing it because they don't know that she didn't just go grab some baby somewhere. That's yeah, and saying, I think yeah. yeah, and like typically in the ha- yeah, so a DNA test. But how long does that take? Doesn't in Saint Lucia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, so Clive, a, a sports a sports coach, said, "We have been passed around different agencies, and nobody will help us. We are running out of money. We will soon run out of food, and nobody is helping us. And they have a four month old baby, and they wow. can't get back to their eight year old daughter. What a oh nightmare! We are essentially stateless, which normally would be a good thing. <laughs> yeah, and we are more than abandoned. We are prisoners in a country that we are not allowed to leave." The couple left the United Kingdom in March 2023 when Lulia was 35 weeks pregnant and headed to Martinique. They then headed to St. Lucia after they picked up a boat in Martinique and gave birth at sea off the coast of Rodney Bay. Hmm. Luisa was born. Um, A few days later, the parents went to Owen King European Union Hospital in St. Lucia to get checked out and registered their their daughter's birth and was essentially told that they were not able to. Wow. Well, it sounds like a bunch of stupid bureaucratic nonsense. Like, it should be easy enough to test the kid, doesn't have diseases. It's been Free Talk Live, though, Um, and we're on every night, so you can call in then. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com. 